Well, good evening, Hawkeye Nation. Let me get my camera here straightened out. Having some issues with StreamYard this evening, and uh, maybe some of the same issues. Uh, maybe the, the StreamYard issues are, they made their way over to the Iowa basketball court, or I should say the Cole Center, the Iowa side of the court. Uh, w- what a weird, weird game. I, I don't know how to recap uh, what just happened. We're going to be joined by Coach Gary Close here in a little bit. Iowa defeating, or excuse me, Iowa uh, succumbing to the Wisconsin Badgers on the road, 62, 64 to 52. Man, there's something weird in the air today. <laughs> we'll do our best here over the next hour or so to make sense of it all. And of course, we're going to be joined by Coach Gary Close and you. We're you, the caller. We're going to talk to you over the phone. And uh, if you want to uh, be a part of the show, you can either call us uh, on the phone lines. Uh, 515-635-1601. Our phone line is actually busy right now. We've got callers on hold. So another way to, to join in if you want to get in the queue early is by clicking the StreamYard link by means of the description below. Uh, and I'll throw that up in the live chat again for everybody. If you want to join, ask a question, make a comment, you can certainly do that. Uh, and we'll get to... Uh, We'll get to your calls and your comments here in a little bit. I'm not able to see how many people are on here for some reason. So StreamYard's having some issues, I guess, because I can't see a count. I can't see anything. So I hope we're out there. (laughs) I see all these people in the live chat. So there's obviously people watching. It says zero people watching right now on my end. But uh, obviously, that's not the case. Uh, So uh, we'll we'll continue to do what we can do here. And um, again, uh, we'll see what happens when, when once Coach Gary Close gets here uh let's start out with our phone line uh thank you for calling the iowa smokehouse call in line who's on the line hello hello hi how are you how are you super wonderful um don't tell me. This is John. This is John, correct? Yeah. yeah, this is John. Hi, John. Four words. Iowa can't play defense. Ranked in Ken Palm, 153rd in the metrics. Yes, we, we've been through the door, John. Okay, so how do you produce a winning team with that? What do you produce a winning team that's good luck thanks john (laughs) look i i get it people are going to be angry tonight and i'm okay taking a lot of the anger early that's fine um relates to john uh here why am i not seeing all right uh as it relates to john's question i i I understand what he's saying, and uh, no one's ever debated defenses, the Iowa defense is good. When you say, uh, how do you produce a winning team? Well, it, what's your definition of a winning team, right? I mean, what's your definition of a winning team? Iowa was 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten last year, and they've made the NCAA tournament in almost every year since, like, 2014. So, again, John, I know you value and you prioritize NCAA tournament success. I get that. And a lot of people agree with you. I'm not saying I disagree, but when you say a winning team, Iowa has been a winning team. Maybe not winning as much as you want them to win or winning at the time that you want them to win. They won the Big Ten tournament last year. 
<laughs> I, I don't want this next hour to just be me defending Iowa, but come on. I, I, I get it, John. I, I understand your frustration. Believe me, I'm frustrated with the defense, but the defense is not the reason they lost this game. It's I, I think you, you could you could argue that this game was lost in a time period in a segment of this game in which Iowa struggled on the defensive end. That's that's absolutely the case. They gave up several open threes. Uh, three point defense was bad. Pick and roll defense at times in that second half was bad. They fouled way too much in that second half. So that that is a fact. And you're you're right, John. Defense needed to be better down the stretch. But I didn't think the defense was all that bad in the first half. I didn't think it was all that bad in the first eight minutes of the second half. But you can't shoot, John. You can't shoot thirty. What they shoot today? You get the final numbers here. I mean, it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. They shot thirty-two percent from the field and ten percent, ten point seven from three. They were three of twenty-eight. I. I don't have the history books handy, but I, I would venture to say I, that's there's never been anything like that from a Fran McCaffrey team. I think the comment was made by Kevin Kugler and company during the game that this was close. I don't know if it ended up being the worst in the history of Fran McCaffrey's teams here at Iowa, but I think it's close. Well, I know it's close. I don't know that a Fran team has ever missed 25 threes in a game. That's just crazy to me. Here's the crazier part. Almost all the threes were open. Did you notice that? Almost everyone was open. That's what's crazy about that number. It's like, yes, they shot three of 28. And you could say, well, Wisconsin's a great defensive team, and they normally are. And they probably just made it difficult on Iowa. Man, that's true to an extent. But, I I mean, you go back and watch. Those threes, almost all of them were open. Almost all of them. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. And what were they? Three of twenty-four against Northwestern on Sunday. That means if my if I can do third grade math here, that means they are six of fifty-two in their last two contests from three. Six of fifty-two. <laughs> my point is, it's hard to blame the defense. Now I understand. We talked with Coach Don Patterson, who. Uh, uh, gave us a nice courtesy call on Sunday, and I appreciated his take. He had a great point. When you're so reliant on your offense, and when the offense fails you, you're almost guaranteed to lose because you don't play good enough defense. But boy, how can any team expect to win shooting 10% from three? How, how can any team expect to win? <laughs> I, I don't know that any defense. I mean, Wisconsin didn't shoot much better. They were 22% from three. They shot 52% overall. That's what did it, right? Uh, Wisconsin turned the ball over. Uh, at a pretty high rate, especially early. Ended up with just 11 for the game, so they cleaned things up. It had eight early turnovers. Iowa failed to take advantage. Uh, They failed to take advantage of Stephen Crowell being out of the game early with two fouls. Iowa was up 10-4, and it felt like, okay, here we go. Make a couple threes here, and you're up 10. Boy, it's going to be hard for Wisconsin, given their lack of offensive firepower, right? They just don't – they're not a very good team right now. (laughs) I don't care what the margin was tonight. That's not a very good team to beat Iowa tonight. And shooting – you, you could argue that shooting 10.7% from three and 32% overall on the road should get you beat by 30, and they got beat by 12. That's not a very good Wisconsin team. They'll be very fortunate to make the tournament down the stretch. Incredible. And I made the comment during our last show. I asked Gary. I'm going to ask him again today. But I asked Gary, Gary, do you feel like there's a – are you afraid or, or fearful of what could happen in tournament play given the struggles from behind the arc on the road this season. And Gary kind of downplayed that. I'm anxious to see if he's uh, changed his tune at all. 
But Iowa has struggled mightily to shoot the ball on the road this year, and it's, it is a concern. You go back to late December, early January, and go back to the Penn State game, go back to the Nebraska game. And that was in a weird uh, stretch where uh, Chris Murray was coming off injury, uh, Yaron Ulis was coming off injury. It was a weird time period, right? We had finals, and it was just a kind of an odd, and that was kind of how we explained it at the time. This is almost inexplainable. Unexplainable. That's not inexplainable. It's not a word. Unexplainable. It's almost unexplainable. But we're going to try to explain it for everybody uh, again. Uh, I'm trying to see uh, how many people are on here, and I'm I'm still not able to do that. So again, I uh, hope everybody. I hope this is. I uh, hope everybody's getting notified uh, that we're live here this evening or this afternoon, whatever it is. This is at nighttime now. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our uh, our sponsor, Brad Van Meter and his team. I want to thank Brad. He has taken. Uh, uh, he, he has privileged us with with sponsoring the show and and of course he's giving great rates to people across the state of iowa give him a call if you want great service and great coverage whatever type of insurance you need see if brad can serve you and your family better at 515-256-6480 515-256-6480 you can also visit brad online at bradvanmeter.com or in person at uh, 4229 fleur drive in des moines all right. Um, before we get to our next caller, I'll make sure we get to our super chat that uh, was thrown up here by Lemansky. Let's not forget our super chat here. Hard to feel good about anything. Where is our dog tonight? However, the Badgers gave the great Magic Johnson his last college loss. Shout out to coaches Bill Cofield and assistant Bo Ryan beaten Magic. Wow, was Bo Ryan a part of that staff? That's incredible. Wow. Uh, didn't know that. Didn't realize that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody's here not watching the Bill Fo- Cofield uh, special on BTN. But, uh, Lemansky, I appreciate your positivity in the, the latter half of that that message. Uh, what I will say is that it's hard to be, it's hard to be very uh, positive about much of anything after what we saw this evening. Uh, but I do appreciate your super chat and your contribution to the show. Uh, let's get to our next caller. Let's go to our Iowa Smokehouse call in line. Jake, how you doing, Jake? Hey, good, Corey. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm I'm doing as well as you could expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I got a couple of things that I'd like to say. Um, I mean, we got a couple of point guards starting in the backcourt with uh, Tony Perkins and Aaron Euless, who who has seen to play great most of the year, but man, when, when they catch the ball in the three point line, it seems like they're just deer in headlights. Um, and then Chris Murray this year, we thought that he'd take over for his brother and it's hasn't seemed to happen, especially of late. Um, I got a question for you about, I hate to blame players given that they're, um, you know, young guys and they're not professional athletes. They got to go to school and all that, but it's unfortunate what's happened to Patrick McCaffrey this year, given last year it seemed like he was arguably the second option when it came to scoring. But this year, with the unfortunate anxiety situation, and then um, now he's got to come off the bench, it just seems when we get on the road that he's just out of sorts. He looks slow. May it be a time to put him back in the starting lineup? I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, – Patrick McCaffrey. I, I think it's a hard. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a hard uh, 
argument to make to, to put him back in the lineup. I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but you know, he, first of all, I think when he was off, I, I would guess that Gary would agree with this, that uh, it probably took him some time to get his legs back under him. Um, I don't know what he was averaging prior to his mental pause, but I think he was averaging close to double figures. I think he was averaging double figures, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, I think he was right around 11-ish points. I can't remember 100%, yeah. but, I mean, that um, seems like around where he would be at. Yeah, I mean, tonight, uh, let's see, uh, Patrick for the night had zero points. I mean, zero points. I don't even have many minutes. I don't have the official box score yet. But 0 for 3 from the field, uh, 0 for 3 from 3. Minutes, it looks like. Zero rebounds, one assist, zero steals, one block, zero points. Yeah, uh, he's not giving you much. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I agree with what you're saying. I, I've never been a guy who thought that Patrick McCaffrey was going to be the next NBA guy on this roster. And I, I know there were people a couple of years ago who believed that. I've always been concerned with Patrick's uh, issues physically, I guess, and, and certainly not his fault given his his uh, medical history. But his inability to gain weight has always kind of made me question how what's his upside, you know, not only at, mm-hmm. at the NBA level, but at this level. But he was there's no question he has taken a, a big step back. And I don't know where he's at mentally. I would hope that he's not. I, ho- I would hope that he's playing because he feels better mentally where, you know, he's in a better place. But this whole team right now is <laughs> suffering from confidence issues. And you brought up Ulysses and Perkins. I really like both those kids. I mean, I, I like Tony Perkins a lot. He's one of the few guys that can get inside and force the issue at the rim. Um, I think Ulyss has really cleaned up his mistakes earlier. I mean, he was turning the ball over left and right back in December. Uh, he's not doing that now. I mean, tonight he had zero turnovers. He, he's really cleaned that part of his game up. But you're right. They're not consistent threats from outside. I do like the fact that Ulyss keeps shooting without hesitation. Tony, right now, he he does look like a deer in the headlights to me because he lacks total com- he completely lacks confidence from behind the arc right now. A couple of times, several times tonight, I was screaming at the television for him to shoot. If you're open, yeah. shoot. Um, and you can see that lack of confidence when he passes open passes open shots. And that's one thing that Euless doesn't do. Euless seems to shoot without hesitation. That's positive. But neither guy, you're right, neither guy is above average from outside. And, I mean, I think the, the big difference here, and, and you're right about Perkins and Euless, it would help greatly if you had one of your two starting guards uh, that could be a consistent front uh, threat from outside, but you know how Iowa survived uh, over the past couple of months, Jake, without those two guys being consistent threats is you were getting high uh, volume from Connor and you were getting pretty high volume from Chris. And then Peyton Sanford caught fire during the last two months. Right. All three of those guys are way down over the, over recent games, especially games on the road. And of course these last two have been on the road. So we'll see what happens Saturday against Michigan state. But I, I think, they're able to survive without consistent three-point threat from their two backcourt players when they have their best three-point shooters on. But when those guys are off, you're right. They, they got they got very limited options from behind the arc. Right. Yeah, and um, I, I, uh, I think another thing that has bothered me is I've never believed in the Fran fade that all these Hawkeye fans like to talk about. I mean, at, at some point, like, France not playing the game, it's the players. But when the um, shooting continues to not be there, especially on the road, and this um, poor play has been continuously on the road, at what point, like, should this be on Fran McCaffrey instead of the players just 
missing shots and not playing good defense and being just absolutely stagnant on offense. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know uh, how you don't place blame. I would hope that Fran, I mean, I haven't listened to the postgame press conference. I hope that Fran is taking accountability and saying we got to do better. But the, the thing about it, like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a coach, and that's why I'm anxious to hear from Coach Close here in a little bit. And I was told that he's he's in route trying to get back home. He was at the game this evening in Madison. Um, but but Jake, here, here's the only thing I struggle with in blaming Fran McCaffrey. And certainly, he, he as the head coach, he takes responsibility. He should take he should be accountable here. But the problem I look at is is I watched Iowa get open three after open three in this game. Like they were running good stuff. Their motion offense was creating opportunity. I, I don't know what more you can ask for. The if shots aren't going down. Fran can't make shots go down. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. I, no, I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to blame Fran for anything, and I know this is late in the game to do that. And I think we all hope that this team can figure this out here in these ne- next couple of weeks. If you're going to blame Fran for anything, Jake, blame Fran for not having more shooters on this team. Um, blame him for maybe not going to the portal harder for a shooter this past season. I think you could, this past offseason, I think you could make that claim because they are thin from outside and they survived this year again on the shoulders of a, an improved Connor McCaffrey from three, Peyton Sanford once he got going, and even Josh Dix a little bit, but he's dry right now. So I think if anything, blame Fran maybe for the roster makeup of this team. But the guys that are missing right now, they're, they're, I, I don't know what more you can do other than continue to encourage them to shoot, run good stuff, and they're doing both of those things. You can tell Fran is telling these guys to shoot. They shot, what, 28 threes today? Um, they, yeah, they have green light, and uh, I, I don't know what to say as far as why why it's so different on the road, but it's, it se- definitely seems to be. Yeah, and... I mean, tonight, too, I mean, Wisconsin, they didn't shoot the ball that well either, especially from three, and that's the disappointing part is it's like we just get a couple more of those threes to go. Who knows where this game could have been, but yeah, it just, it's it's disappointing to see, see the same thing happen on the road, especially when we're playing well at home. So, Absolutely. No, I, I, I'm with you all the way, and uh, what, what you said, I'm not saying it doesn't hold water about – uh, res- the responsibility lying with Fran. What I'll say is they've lost two straight now, and they've been double-digit losses on the road um, to two teams that might be in the tournament. More Northwestern's most certainly going to be in the tournament. Wisconsin's fighting for the tournament. Those two losses are not really going to hurt them that much on the resume. Um, however, now there's a lot of pressure on this game on Saturday. They lose Saturday. It's semi-panic time if I'm Iowa. And I'm, yeah. I know Fran won't panic if they lose Saturday, but they got to win Saturday. And so that's what these losses have done is now you have tons of pressure to take care of business at home because Nebraska's rolling, right? They've won four of the last five. They get them on March 5th. They got to win on Saturday. Yep. Yep. 100% agreed. Well, appreciate the time, Corey. Thank you for calling in, Jake. Good to hear from you. Yep. 100%. Have a good one, man. You too. All right, folks. Uh, again, thank you to Lemansky for the super chat. I want to get to, before we get to our next caller, let's get to our super chat here from DC Hawkeye, I believe. DC Hawkeye, thank you for this, sir. I'm assuming, sir. Uh, Corey, always a great show and effort by you and Gary. Maybe you can both coach effort to the team. I'm not going to be coaching anything. <laughs> but uh, appreciate the compliment there, and uh, we look forward to having Coach Close again. He is 
on his way back to his home base to join us here live. So stay tuned, folks. It is 1030 here in Iowa. It's a snowy, well, not even snowy, an icy day here in the, the great state of Iowa. So what better thing to do but stay inside and listen to to uh, to this show with, with uh, a great one in Coach Close. And I'll be anxious to get Coach Close's perspective on the Badgers. I don't think Wisconsin's very good at all. I just as I watched that game, I made that comment several times during the game. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't think they're very good. Uh, I just don't think they're a very good basketball team right now. There was not really anything Wisconsin did that impressed me. Um, so, anyways, uh, appreciate the uh, super chat, DC Hawkeye. Let's get to our next caller. Um, Chris, welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, Corey, how's it going? Um, yeah, tough one, obviously, there today. I mean, at the end of the day, if this team's, obviously, if they're not making shots, like, it's not going to work. I mean, I guess you could look last year around this time. We were pretty much on fire from three, I mean, during the Big Ten tournament. And then in the NCAA tournament, we went we went cold. So, really, I mean, it's not like the season is over. It really comes, I mean... At the end of the day, college basketball is a complete crapshoot once you get to tournament time. I mean, there's no reason that this team can't get hot. But, I mean, yeah, we got to get in first. I think we're in with 10 wins, but we'll see. But really, I think, I don't know why. This was a good opportunity for me. Like, why is Josh Dix, why isn't Bowen getting some minutes? Everyone's gone cold. Like, let's try to maybe get them some confidence for the tournament if we need them. Why do they not get any minutes? And I feel like Patrick, I mean, he was awful today and he still got his minutes. Like, is there a reason why those guys aren't getting any opportunity, I, especially when the rest of the team can't really do much at all? Well, who who else besides Dix are you calling for? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit of Bowen, too. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, at MSG, that Duke game, he showed some promise. I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's out of the rotation entirely, but, like, I feel like he still potentially could play a role. Like, we might need him at some point. Why is he just completely out of the rotation? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. Uh, that'd be a good question for Fran. Uh, I would guess that uh, unless he's banged up, and I'm not aware that he is, I would guess that, uh, Fran, there's something that they're not seeing in practice because why why is he not being given an opportunity when nobody else can can throw it into the ocean? Now, uh, DeSante, when he has played, I can pull up his his numbers. Um, when he has played, and, and and we know it's been they've been limited minutes this year, he has not been great from behind the arc. Um, yeah, his numbers on the season, I can tell you here in two seconds for the year, he's shooting, uh, 36%. Um, but he's only got, he's only made, he's only attempted 11 threes all year and made, and made four. Um, no, I don't know if he's our answer from three, but it's just like maybe a different style defensively. I mean, I know defensively, I mean, I'm interested to see what the metrics are defensively. I mean, they still didn't really play that good of defense to be honest i mean obviously offense was the problem tonight but they still i mean what what was the percentage like over i mean wisconsin what did they end up shooting today yeah wisconsin i mean for the game wisconsin shot 52 percent from the field 22 percent from three but you're right uh too many too many layups in second half pick and roll defense was bad gave up easy dunks and layups to crawl several times um you know, they had a couple unfortunate uh, loose balls. They weren't able to corral that turned into easy layups. So you're right. Wisconsin shot a high percentage 
uh, from two shot uh, 52% from two in the second half, 52% in the first half. Um, you know, they're, they're not a team that's going to light you on fire from three ever. And that's why like going into this game, um, I, I think you would probably agree with this, Chris. I had no fear of Wisconsin blowing Iowa out. I mean, they just, no. that's just not how they play. Um, and the Siegens really their only consistent threat from deep. Uh, obviously, uh, They've dealt with some injuries here of late uh, with Tyler Wall still kind of trying to work his way back. He's been back now for several weeks. I just think right now Iowa's issue is uh, a, a probably a mental thing. And when you're on the road and shots aren't going down, it does com- become a compounding thing. Nobody in their right mind would have ever predicted Iowa in any game, regardless of who they're playing, regardless of where they're playing, to go three for 28 from the field, which tells me that it's a mental thing, but I think shooting more often than not is a mental thing. Like most of these guys are taught pretty good mechanics from three. We've seen all of them shoot a pretty high percentage. Go back to the Iowa state game back in December. Everybody could make threes in that game. So is there something different on the road? And it's up to Fran now with three games remaining to figure that out. And they got one more game on the road. That's the scary thing. They got one more tune up away from home, if you will. And then your tournament play. And that, that road game is at Indiana. So, I mean, I don't think a lot of people expect Iowa to go on the road and beat Indiana. I don't. Um, but that's their last chance to kind of tune up before leaving for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could tell in some of those looks. Like, I remember one specifically, like, Chris, there was transition. Chris was just standing there wide open for three. I don't It was, like, mid-second half, and he took him two seconds to shoot the shot. Like, I mean, he should be confident enough to take that shot. Like, yeah, you could tell it's a mental thing. I mean, yeah, we were at the game on Sunday in Evanston. I'm from Chicago. And, yeah, you could, I mean, that team got rattled pretty quickly. I was right behind the bench. They did not look like a confident bunch out there. I mean, it's just like, it feels like, I mean, this is a senior, junior-laden team, but it feels like, there's really no one to just take control. I mean, Connor's trying to do it, but I mean, they kind of they fu- they don't they don't handle adversity super well, and that's super concerning going into March. Obviously, no, you're you're that's those are all fair points. And yeah. uh, I said to the previous caller, uh, I, I think a big part of this, not to put it on the shoulders of these two guys, but with the slump that we're seeing right now at Chris Murray and at a, at a Connor McCaffrey, um. They, they are just, you know, you're not going to get great three point shooting from anybody else in your starting lineup, right? Where not making threes. Um, Ulyss and Perkins aren't going to be consistently making a bunch of threes. So you better get good three point production out of those two guys. And Connor, for his career, has not been great from behind the arc, but he started off the first couple of months of the season really hot from outside and looked like maybe their best shooter, maybe their best shooter, in, at least in the starting lineup, not named Peyton Sanford. And same thing with Chris. I mean, Chris came into this year with the reputation of more of a three-point shooter than Keegan. And yet, look at how Keegan finished off the year, what he's doing in the NBA right now as a rookie. Who's a better three-point shooter? I know we shouldn't be comparing the two, but, you know, it's it's fair to do that. Right now, Chris is struggling. Everybody's struggling. I mean, go down the list. If In case anybody missed the game, let me just fill them in. Uh, from three, these are the numbers. Chris Murray, one of five. Aaron Euless, one of five. Tony Perkins, 0 for five. Connor McCaffrey, 0 for five. Peyton Sanford, 1 of 4. Josh Dix, 0 of 1. Patrick McCaffrey, 0 of 3. This just reeks Nebraska. Like that road game in Nebraska back in December. It just, 
I mean, it, just go back and look at the percentages, the numbers that night. I remember saying the exact same thing. How do all these guys shoot this poorly on the same night? It's the exact same conversation we had in December. Yeah, we've seemed to revert back to that. And I guess the one positive is that we've seen when this team is at their best, it's generally at home, that they can be a top five offense. So, I mean, maybe in the tournament that clicks. I think there's still a lot of potential. I wouldn't give up on this team if I was an Iowa fan. No. But yeah, I mean, I think that, and also I don't think that it's uh, effort. I think that a lot of people misconstrue. I was seeing on Twitter that this was like an effort problem. I mean, they had some defensive lapses, but I don't really think it was effort. It was more so confidence, more so than anything from what I saw. But yeah, interested to hear what Gary says today uh, once we get him on. But yeah, thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. And I, I understand the frustration. And I, look, I'm not going to be able to put everybody's comment up on the screen, but a lot, a lot of frustration in the chat. I understand that. I'm, I'm reading everything. So I, I see all your frustrations. If I don't put your comment up in the chat, it's not because I don't, uh, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm trying to ignore it. Um, it's just we got a bunch of comments and we can't get to everybody, but I understand the frustration. And this is a fair point from Bob. When threes aren't dropping, what do we do? continue to shoot more threes that that is what this team is going to do they're going to live and die just like basically every Fran McCaffrey team will they're going to live and die off the three uh Philip Robracha I thought in that second half early in the second half kept this team going right kept the, the wheels turning because threes weren't falling but he made some big shots inside I think maybe they went away from him a little bit too soon that would be my observation based on uh what I saw in that second half and I wouldn't be surprised if Fran kind of felt the same way but Again, you your guys are open from three. Uh, if you can't make open threes, then what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, like, what are we doing? If you can't make open threes, what are we doing? So I, I can kind of understand. Let, let's just keep shooting threes because we, we're not going to be able to win down the stretch in this season without being able to make threes. So now there is the argument that can be made. I mean, you see the ball go in. You can get to, you know, get to the rim, get to the free throw line. If you can at least see the ball go down, it helps you confidence-wise, and and threes are easier to make from there on out, and that makes sense. I understand that. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would call it just hoping. I mean, I think Fran has confidence in his guys. If he's got confidence in Peyton Sanford, in Patrick, in Connor, I mean, all those guys. He's got confidence in those guys from three. I've got confidence in those guys from three. But right now, those guys don't have, have confidence in their own threes, right, in their own shots. I've even got more confidence in Tony Perkins from three. Um, if he's willing to shoot when he's open, right? when he hesitates and passes on open threes, that tells me, uh oh, he's not engaged from behind the arc. He's not confident he can duck down that shot. That's a problem. Um, and I would guess that, and maybe Gary would tell me I'm wrong, I would guess that at least 80% of shooting, especially three point shooting, is mental. Right. And, and the 20% can be established early in a, in a college player's career. And it's a lot to do with fundamentals and footwork and jump and all that. But I, I think 75 to 80% is mental. And we're talking confidence and, and, and everything that goes into to competing at this level from a mental standpoint. So I'll be anxious to get Coach Close's perspective on it. But yeah, I, I don't know what you do more than just continue to shoot. And when you're tell your guys, hey, you're open, shoot. We're going to get out of this eventually. And I guarantee you that's what Fran was saying tonight. And that's probably what he's going to continue to say. Keep shooting. It will come. And as much as everything's missing now, when they start falling, everything will be falling. That's what Fran's going to tell his guys. 
Um, there is, though, the valid concern of why doesn't this team shoot better on the road because it's been a pattern of behavior with one exception. Well, really two exceptions. They shot really well from three against Ohio State. All right, and lost. Remember, they didn't play a speck of defense in that game. They lost that game in the road, but they did shoot well. They did shoot well against Ohio State. The other game was at Rutgers. Played really well on defense. Um, made a lot of threes. Peyton Sanford, I think they made 12 threes in the game. That That is the outlier, right? With Rutgers, a great defensive team. Tough place to play at the rack. And Iowa just had Rutgers' number this year. And I even advocated on our last show, maybe go back and look at that tape. And maybe Fran will do that. Maybe the, the the staff will do that. But that's really been the one complete performance they've had away from home all year. And when I say away from home, I'm including neutral site contests against Clemson, TCU, and Duke. That game against Rutgers was their best performance. I didn't think they played that well at uh, Minnesota. Uh, so uh, we'll continue to see what happens. But uh, certainly encouraged by uh, encouraged by the fact that we've seen them shoot well on the road, but discouraged by the fact they haven't done so in quite some time. Let's get to our next caller. Who's on the line? Hello. Stuck my cock, Corey. All righty. Waited 30 minutes on that. Okay. Let's get to our next call. Actually, before we get to our next caller, I think I know who our next caller is. And we're going to, uh, I believe, get to Coach Close, who's been uh, trying to get through. And I think we've got him on the line. Coach Close, can you hear me? Sure can. Well, Gary. <laughs> You've had some time. You drove back from the Kohl Center. Hopefully you drove safely. I don't know what the weather's doing in, in your neck of the woods, but uh, you've had some time to digest what we just witnessed uh, on the basketball court from from Iowa and their 64-52 uh, loss to Wisconsin. Uh, how, do you, uh, how do you explain this? Well, um, I, th- I think a couple things. I think, I think first off, I think they, they – uh, you know, wasted a pretty good opportunity in the first half to get a to get a sizable lead because Wisconsin was turning the ball over at a rate they'd never do and weren't shooting the ball very well. And, and I got out to a you know a little bit of a lead, and if they could have extended it there, um, but then Chris got two fouls and went to the bench, and then the game got fairly even, um, and he never got going. Uh, and, uh, and then Wisconsin, I think the other big thing was, is that, uh, despite shooting very poorly from three, they shot very well from two and, um, didn't shoot as many threes as Iowa did. And the result is they scored a few more points. So, um, tough loss. They did not play well. And, um, I think for the first time saw a little frustration and, and, uh, you know, a little, a uh, little lack of confidence, maybe, um, so it, uh, it was a very, very tough defeat that they're going to have to recover from quickly because uh, they got another really good team coming in uh, this weekend in Michigan State. Gary, I have to say this. I'm going to take a shot at your former team when I'm talking about Wisconsin, so I hope you don't mind that. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't think Wisconsin's very good. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't think they're very good. Like they, they didn't impress yeah. me in almost any aspect of the game. I thought they left Iowa shooters open all day and I would just miss shots. Um, they're not very good offensively. I understand that uh, Tyler Wall's been coming back from an injury. Connor Sejan is their one real threat from outside or consistent threat from outside. When Crowell's in foul trouble, they don't have much of an inside presence. Like I wasn't impressed with almost anything Wisconsin did tonight, and yet they win by double figures. Um, 
is that is that consistent with how you feel? I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on the Badgers? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't think either team played particularly well. That's why I said in the first half, if, if Iowa could have played a little better, they might have been up fifteen at half, um, and then it might have been a totally different game because Wisconsin was was not good in the first half, and really the only thing they did well was uh, they shot well from two, and they got and they got more inside baskets than than Iowa did. Um, you know, they shot. I don't know, probably 10 less threes, even though they shot poorly. But, you know, you shoot whatever they were, four for 32 from three, Iowa was. And, and to be honest with you, they weren't even close. <laughs> I mean, they were, you know, I, I, my, my seat wasn't great. I was right behind the Iowa bench in the corner, so I, didn't, I couldn't see the court real well. But down at this end in the second half, every shot that left their hands, you could tell right away that wasn't going in. I mean, it was just they were – they weren't even close to knocking them down. So, um, and that kind of gets contagious. No, I, I thought Wisconsin played just well enough to win and uh, might have got them in the tournament. Now they've got a couple more, probably got to get a couple more wins. But, that, you know, they've now beaten Wisconsin twice. They've beaten Penn State twice. They've beaten Marquette. So they've got some wins that, that might, you know, get them off the bubble. But um, Iowa, just, they're just shooting so poorly. Uh, that um, they've got to get that corrected. Uh, it's uh, amazing that they shot as many shots and missed as many shots as they missed tonight. That, like you said, some were some were real good looks uh, that they just just did not convert, and they and they didn't convert inside as well. I mean, they had some point blank shots they didn't make either. It was a really really poor shooting night. How do you get that corrected, Gary? You say let's we got to get that corrected. How do you correct it when you're wide open from three? I mean, you can take a. I'm sure these guys are shooting a ton before and after games. How do you correct it besides just continuing to instill confidence in your guys? That's what you know. You, you just got to keep. You just got to keep working and keep shooting till it till it breaks. Uh, you know, the season kid is a good example um, for Wisconsin. He was like 0 for 10 in the last game, and tonight he was you know a little bit better. Um, I mean, Connor shooting the ball not very well. Where you know shooting it real well at the beginning of this year, and that doesn't take a lot of shots. But uh, you know, he his his he didn't look like any were going to go in. Um, I thought Chris sitting in the first half for that length of time with those two fouls. That's that's well, I don't particularly like that rule. Um, you know, when it, when it works, it's fine. But you know, he finishes with three fouls and five points. He just never got going, and he probably sat for an hour. Uh, before he played in the second half and never got it going. Um, and uh, other than Phillip, they've got no inside presence where they can go get a bucket unless Tony penetrates and makes a play. It's, it's, uh, and so when they rely on three and don't shoot it well, they really struggle. And they have not shot the ball well over the last several games. So hopefully getting back to Carver uh, can help change that. And, uh, Gary, one thing that uh, was brought up by a caller earlier, and I think he's right, um, he brought up the struggles of Tony Perkins and Aaron Euless from behind the arc. And and I acknowledge, we acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that everybody's struggling from behind the arc. But as we've said a number of times throughout the season, those two guys are not the best of three-point shooters. And it is hard to overcome your two backcourt guys who can't shoot threes very well if you're a team that relies heavily on your offense. And, of course, that's what Iowa is. But they've overcame it this year by means of Chris Murray, who's been consistent from outside, Connor McCaffrey, who up until maybe a month ago had been a revelation from outside, and then Peyton Sanford, who once he got out of his 
two-month slump that he started the season in, he became a threat. And of course, Josh Dix gave you some threes as well. But now with Connor struggling and Chris struggling, of course, Chris had the foul trouble in the first half. Peyton, take, we've talked about Peyton's struggles. He's just up and down in general, one of the streakiest shooters we've seen at Iowa. It, the, the, in, the inconsistencies and the inadequacies of the backcourt from behind the arc become that much more uh, uh, painful, damaging, right? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just hard to overcome. Yeah, and I, I don't know if either one of those guys you describe as great shooters. I think they're they're more streaky, um, you know, maybe average average to above average shooters. They're they're you know they're not, you know, they're not uh, Jordan Bohan, and they're not you know some of the other shooters that I I always had in the past. They're okay, and they're going to have nights like they had tonight. Um, and uh, when they do, and Chris struggles. Um, you know, then they have a hard time scoring and, you know, Phillip ended up getting a little bit of foul trouble in the second half as well. He was really the only inside presence other than a few Perkins drives. Um, so they're, um, their offense is struggling right now, which, you know, it's, you don't, you don't see very often with Iowa, but, uh, you know, they average close to 80 points. I don't know what they ended up, what they end up with tonight. Uh, 52. 52 well below their average um and um you know you know they played a team that plays pretty good defense but they'll they'll be the first to say that uh you know they had a lot to do with the 52 points tonight on the offensive end gary uh what did you think of the flop called on tony perkins i know this is kind of irrelevant but what did you think of that call i thought it was a good call I wonder if you're going to say the same when you watch the tape back. Robbie Hummel made a point on the broadcast of saying uh, he thought that was a bad call. When you watch the tape back, it looks like he was leaning back and slipped. And I just... And slipped? Oh, uh, I didn't see like, the slip. I saw a very lack of contact. That's the only thing I saw. So yeah. well, I didn't see the slip. If you go yeah. back and, and after the commercial, Robbie Hummel commented on it. But I, I think that's kind of an indication. I, and he even brought that up. Robbie did on the broadcast. That's kind of the epitome of that call. It's so hard to make that call in the moment. And you brought that up earlier in the season. We've seen less and less of those calls being made. Um, mm-hmm. And there was one against Wisconsin, a non-call. And I thought it could have been a flop against Wisconsin earlier in the game. Have you seen officials start to, I think there's no question about this, but have you seen officiate, officials officiate differently as it relates to the flop call as the season wore on? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Like you said, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it, it's a tough call to make. I mean, it's it's so it's so bang bang. I mean, block charge calls are hard to make. Now you're adding the you know the flop to it. Um, I can see I can see where he made the call from what I saw. I, I didn't see the I didn't see the slipping. Uh, so um, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, that call didn't have a whole lot to do with. I mean, I know it. it uh, I don't want to pumped up to ten or something, but the game was getting out of hand. You know, prior to that, the way they the way they were shooting the ball, they weren't they, they weren't winning that game tonight. Um, All right, Gary. The the last uh, post game show after Northwestern, we talked about Iowa's first half shooting performances in their losses. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to give you. Uh, shooting percentages for the game for each road game Iowa has played in the conference. And I'm going to go field goal percentage and three point percentage. Let's start with the Nebraska game, which of course they lost back in December. And by the way, this game reeked 
of that Nebraska game. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. everything in this game to me reminded me of that game. And they actually shot 25% from three, which sounds really good compared to 11% tonight. 26% from the field at Nebraska, 25% from three. At Penn State, they were 44%, but 28% from three. At Rutgers was their really one outlier. They shot 45% and 44% from three. They did shoot well against Ohio State, didn't play a speck of defense in that game. So I guess you could call that a second outlier, 45% from the field, 46% from three. At Michigan State, they were 17.6% from three. Oddly enough, shot 46% from the field in that game. Against Purdue, they were 45% from the field from 28% from three. At Minnesota, they shot 39% from three, 38% from the field overall. Of course, against Northwestern, they were 43% from the field, 13% from three. And tonight it got worse, 32% from the field and 11% from three. And we talked about road performances and being able to shoot on the road. And I I felt like on Sunday, Gary, you kind of downplayed the notion that this is a real this is a real concerning trend. And I would challenge you on that again. Do you have you changed your tune at all on that? I mean, do you are you more concerned now about their inability to shoot on the road or is this just another weird example of an off night? Yeah, no, no. I, you know, you, when you start getting forms like that back to back, then you got to, you know, then you got to, and then it looks a little more alarming to you. Um, I, I never thought they'd have a problem scoring uh, because I thought they'd be able to score, uh, you know, around the basket and, and driving and things like that. And they're not, they're not even getting that to drop. So, um, yeah, no, you, you've, I mean, Northwestern and Wisconsin are probably the two best half-court defensive teams in the league. Uh, you know, and they've done that to other people. But, you know, when you shoot as poorly as they shot tonight, uh, that can't be all defense. And it, 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 it's definitely concerning. Um, uh, it, um, yeah, no, I don't think there's any, any way to look at it. They're, they're really struggling offensively now. Six of 52 from three in their last two games, 19 of 100 in their last five road games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get to beat. Those are, those are mind boggling numbers, Gary. So um, let me ask so, you, this. you know, I think when you look, when you look, if you go down the roster and look at, look at each player and their ability to shoot the ball, um, then maybe, maybe you understand some of what's going on. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they have one player other than Chris Murray that's a proven, consistent three-point shooter. You know, somebody, somebody similar to maybe Jordan Bohannon or, or somebody else that, you know, is going to, you know, on a bad night might shoot 25% and is going to shoot mid-30s to mid-40s about every night. And we, you know, we I'm not sure we've got that. I thought Connor had a possible potential of being that. I thought Sanford had a potential of being that. Um, and they've been they've been up and down. So uh, right now, it's not a good shooting team. Gary, what percentage of shooting is mental, and what percentage is physical? Well, a lot of it's confidence. You know, if you don't have confidence, it's tough. I mean, it's it's uh, you know you start guiding the ball a little bit and rushing a little bit, and you, you know you need to see the you need to see the ball go down. So I, I'm sure their confidence is shaking a little bit, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they react uh, and recover uh, this weekend because um, you know Michigan State's good. Want to give a quick shout out to Iowa Smokehouse. They're sponsoring our coverage here 
Iowa post game with Coach Gary Close. And of course, if you need a great tasting snack, and of course, uh, a snack that you're actually supporting one of our sponsors, that's that's really the big part of this. This is an Iowa company. They're supporting the post game coverage here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. So we encourage you to support Iowa Smokehouse. Tasting is believing. Use this code Hawkeye at checkout for 15% off your order, whether it's their jerky, their meat sticks, maybe some of their barbecue sauces or ketchups. Visit iowasmokehouse.com, and on uh, orders of $50 or more, you'll get free shipping. How about that deal from Iowa Smokehouse down in Albia? Again, iowasmokehouse.com. Gary, um, what would you do first thing tomorrow? I mean, I'm assuming these guys get home tomorrow, uh, given the weather. I don't know what the what, what's the weather doing in your area right now. Uh, it's not great. It's not great. It's not maybe as bad as they anticipated. Um, but the roads are covered, and and um, so I don't know when they'll get out of here uh, tomorrow. Probably sometime. Hopefully, the you know the weather will clear and they'll be able to get out of here. It's it's not a it's not an ideal situation. Michigan State's already got one extra day of rest. And now they're going to bus for three hours and then try to, I'm sure, try to practice later when they get back. So um, not not the most ideal situation to bounce back, but, and, you know, that's the cards that are playing pillied. So what do you do right now as the head coach? Is there Do you change what you're doing at this point, this late in the season, based on some of these recent struggles? How does Fran approach this? Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, I, I think you got you got to try to stay consistent. Um, and and uh, you know, I think you, you look at the tape and you see, you know, you see where things are falling short, and uh, and then um, and then you get yourself ready for for Saturday. I think it's uh, it's a big big game. Um, but I think the more you're the more you're up and down and changing things, I think you you can even contribute more to. A, a lack of confidence. So I think you you just got to stay the course and and be consistent and hope they shoot themselves out of this. Gary, I know you're not a bracketologist. Dom says, uh, Corey said they'd make the tournament if they lose out. I never said that, Dom. I said uh, they're going to make the tournament <laughs> if they win one of their last, their, their final five games. I said that before Northwestern. I stand by that. If they win one of these final three games, I believe they're in. But what I said, Dom, is if they lose every one of these games, um, I, I think there's a, a pretty good a good chance that they don't make it. I think they're squarely on the bubble at that point. And then you look back at losses to uh, Nebraska, to Wisconsin at home, to Eastern Illinois, of course, back in December, and, and those start to hurt you. But I do think if they can take care of business at home, even in one of these final two home games, they win. But Gary, these recent losses and the way in which they've lost, it does. It puts tons of pressure on Iowa to come out and play well against Michigan State on Saturday, doesn't it? Definitely, uh, because you want to be playing well. It's one thing to get in, but if you're getting in and you're not playing well, then your 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 chances of lasting aren't going to be aren't going to be real good. So, um, no, this is a, this is a big game Saturday. They've got to they've got to if they can't turn this thing around against a very motivated Michigan State team that's that uh, you know is, is coming off a nice win. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm curious myself to see how they react I, I i thought they would be uh much better tonight after after going through what they did against northwestern but um they just can't you know they just can't make any shots and when you're not making shots it, it, you don't look good i mean it's just kind of the nature of the game when the shots go down it makes you look a lot better so we got we got to get some shots to start dropping um 
because that percentage is just, I mean, you know, you, you just shoot a mediocre percentage and you're probably going to win that game or at least be in it. And um, it was far from that. What's incredible, it was brought up during the broadcast, Iowa, and as far as offensive efficiency is concerned, Gary, they're down in the 50s on the road in offensive efficiency. And I'm talking ranked in the 50s and probably down lower than that, probably down in the 60s now after this game. Uh, and yet they're one of the top few teams in the country in offensive efficiency at home. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a, a, a contrast like that from a team maybe that you coached? Um, maybe not right off the top of my head, but then, you, know, you, you tend to, you know, you tend to shoot better. You're more confident. You're sleeping in your own bed. You know, the whole deal, you tend to play a little bit better at home, a little more confident at home or, and you're know, used to the surroundings. So that's not totally surprising. I think the, the, the wide difference in it is, is a little bit surprising. Um, but I, I do believe other than Chris Murray, uh, and, and Philip, to some extent, they they don't really have consistent offensive players. They're they're up and down a little bit, and uh, right now they're down. So hopefully um, Saturday can start going back up again because when they're up, they're pretty good. But um, the last few games, that's not been the case. Fair comment here from uh, Jeffrey in our chat. He says Ulysses is a zero threat when he drives the basketball. He never puts it up. That's a fair point, Gary. If he's not going to be a consistent f- threat from three, uh, I give him credit for for cleaning up the turnovers. He's been much better with the basketball over the last two months. But why doesn't he attack the rim more? Do you think that's a consistent a, a confidence problem? Probably, yeah. And 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 a. You know, just a, a, a uh, experience uh, situation where uh, you know he's not real big, so he's got to get some, got to get him angles, he's got to get some speed by people, and um, it's 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 an art, it's 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 a talent to be able to finish, especially on some of those size and length in the league. And he he, he probably just um, from a confidence standpoint, is not there yet, uh, scoring in traffic. Whereas you can see Tony's a little more. You know, a little more confident as far as that goes. Tony's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, which helps fin- you know finish through contact and things like that. Um, but um, they, they don't really have much, many more options past that. So they just got to hope he's going to play a little better. Shane says in our chat, when you are struggling from the three point line, you don't shoot threes. You have to drive and get to the line. I think there's some truth to that, Gary. How do you Definitely. balance that as a coaching staff and as an as a starting lineup or whatever lineups on the floor, how do you balance, yes, we've got to keep shooting when we're open versus, okay, we're not shooting well, we got to make a consistent effort to drive, get to the rim, get to the line? Well, and that's why it's, it's tough against Wisconsin because they don't give up much dribble penetration there. They're, you know, they're, they're not extended. They're in gaps. They're, they're, they're you know, that's one of their, that's their foundations. And the same thing with Northwestern, so it's hard to do. Michigan State's going to be a little more ex- extended. And so uh, hopefully there'll be more driving lanes uh, for them to for them to attack. But you know Iowa really doesn't have a post up threat other than Phillip, and so the, you can't you can't you know that's where you need some inside you know inside baskets and some uh, ability to draw fouls when you're not shooting well, or to or to touch the post or drive and kick. Those threes are higher percentages right now. They're they're um, you know, I know they missed some open ones, but they also missed some ones that were contested or weren't very good within the framework of the offense. And and so what happens is then the then the open ones are harder to make. Uh, so 
right now they're not playing very well offensively, which is a surprise because normally they're, they're very good. But um, I was hoping maybe to see a few more set plays just to, you know, change it up and maybe get get a, someone in a driving situation or another post up. But um, uh, I saw probably a little too much dribbling and, and um, you know, obviously some shots that didn't go down. So um, hopefully this is going to turn around. And once again, this is the second straight night it's been brought up. And I, uh, who was it that I saw uh, talking about the different, uh, I guess it was somebody asked Fran about that during his postgame press conference after the Northwestern game. We talked about the difference in basketballs when you play on the road. And Iowa, of course, plays the Nike ball. Sam uh, brings up how uh, when they're going on the road, they're playing uh, with this Wilson ball more times than not. I know we addressed this on Sunday, but it's I guess it's a fair topic to bring up. Do you think there's any correlation with Iowa's shooting struggles on the road and the basketball they're playing with? No. No, I don't. No, and then that's the ball you're gonna play with in the tournament, so you better get used to it. Why I mean I understand it's money and it's advertising and it's you know, you're you're gonna play with the ball that's affiliated with your school. Why not why why can't we just have a universal basketball? Is that not a fair request? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. I think, uh, the problem is you got so many shoe companies that are putting big bills at universities that want their balls out there that, um, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, now the NCAA has got a contract with Wilson and that's, (coughs) excuse me, that's that, you know, that's the ball that's used during the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I was a Nike school, Wisconsin's a Under Armour school and, those uh, those shoe companies want their basketballs out there, so I don't I don't know where that's going to change. Um, I guarantee you, Iowa's got some Wilson basketballs to practice with. I'd be shocked if they don't. Um, and you, you think uh, they do that leading up to road games? Then absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I know we did, and I'm sure they do. I, I, I don't. Um, you don't miss them as bad as they're missing them now. I mean, their shots weren't even close to going in. I mean, a few were, but. And I could tell right away when they shot and that's long, that's short, that's left, that's I mean they were they were just they weren't even close. Um so that's a little uh, that's a little alarming. It's not like they were rimming out. A few were, but not not many. Um and they did a decent job of battling for offensive rebounds, which you know, gave them a chance to get some scoring and and give them a lead because they, they never shot well the entire game for the most part. Um and you know, some also played some offensive rebounds. I think they got them an early lead, but you know they couldn't sustain it because they couldn't score. So the question is, Gary, what's the you, you talked about the the shooting struggles of this team, and the fact of the matter is, this team just doesn't have the shooters that past teams have has had. And and you give Fran credit for what he's done with what he's worked with. I also mentioned before you jumped on here, if you're going to be critical of Fran, perhaps be critical of how he has made up the roster. And I understand he can't control all of that. He can't control Keegan Murray going to the NBA earlier. But um, with the transfer portal and and certainly on the recruiting circuit, there are different things you can do to supplement your team from outside. And you would think that shooters would be flocking to Iowa to play. Um, and, you know, they've got some really high, I think, high uh, upside shooters coming in next year. And, of course, with, with Cooper Koch uh, in two years, Right now, if you're Fran uh, and you're evaluating your teams, I know we're not to the end of the season yet. We've got three more games before we can get to postseason play. What are your biggest needs here on February 22nd 
via the transfer portal because the portal is a big part of recruiting now, and you know this next summer is going to be active. What's What are Iowa's biggest needs in the portal? Well, I think, like you said, I, I think you got to let the season finish out and, and then evaluate what you've got. I, I think they need – I think they need bodies almost at every position. Uh, I think they probably would say the same thing. You know, you're losing Phillips, so you're going to need some post players. Um, you're losing Connor, um, who, you know, as who was and I think will be hopefully an outside threat. So um, I think you, I think um, you know, they're they're gonna, like a lot of people, they're going to have some holes to fill depending on you know who's coming back and who's leaving, and you know they may have some guys transfer or you know whatever. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the game right now. The transfer portal is huge. Um, and it may come down to NIL. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things that's out of their control that they can only do the best they can do with, with what they've got. So, but I think that that's for down the road. I think you've got to, you've got to see this season through and, and then evaluate, you know, each and everybody that's coming back and, you know, where, where do you need to fill the gaps? What do you have coming in? And uh, I mean, I, I think obviously, I think uh, Josh Dix has got a chance to be a shooter. I think Peyton's got a chance to be a shooter. Uh, hopefully, Tony and Aaron will continue to improve and get a little more consistent. So I wouldn't give up on them. I mean, they've all had their moments. Uh, it just seems like the whole team is in a slump right now. You're hoping you get a couple guys that just, you know, kind of keep them going and keep them from having such horrendous percentages. But right now, everybody's in a slump. So. Hopefully, when they bounce out, everybody will bounce out, and they can really whap somebody um, sometime soon. Hopefully, all right, Gold. Uh, no, I'm not, no one on my end is blocking you. So if you're saying things to YouTube that are that it picks up as vulgar, that's what's blocking you. So I, I don't haven't blocked anybody this evening, and don't plan on it. So um, let's get to this comment from Circle Herc. Circle Herc on a lighter note, Gary wants to know if you wore Badger gear tonight. Uh, I did not. What did you, you did you wear neutral colors with gray or what, what color? I don't want to ask you, what are you wearing? That sounds really <laughs> perverse, but uh, what are you? Well, wearing? my son, my son got me tickets. I was right behind the Iowa bench. So I was wearing black. Did you have an Iowa logo on it? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good for your son. How about that? Getting you, uh, getting you tickets right behind the Iowa bench was Fran. How, mm-hmm. how was Fran? I, mean, I don't know how close you were to the huddle, but can you give us an idea of how Fran handled each time out tonight? Well, it was hard for me to see, but, um, I, you know, I thought for the most part, he was, I don't want to describe it under control. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't see anything. I, I think, I think they're all were frustrated because this was a game they, they could have won. Um, easily if they'd have played better or, um, but they didn't. So, um, I don't think anybody's any more frustrated than the entire team. They know they can play better and you go through this. So you just got to grind it and, and, uh, get it corrected and, and, um, put it behind you and, and, uh, get ready for Saturday. Appreciate this super thanks or super sticker. I can't tell what it is on my end from Tregas 44. Appreciate that support. Um, Gary, there's a question, and this is going to be a hard one to answer, but DC Hawkeye has a question for you in the chat. He says, uh, what do you think it is? They seem to flop from the get-go 
when they have games like this first round of the NCAA tournament. Last year, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Penn State. This year, I think he's referring to the shooting struggles. And you, of course, referred to this team being different than past teams. But, of course, we even saw Iowa's uh, shooting flame out in the tournament last year against Richmond. Um, I think more often than not, uh, we can we can link Iowa's struggles in the postseason to defense. And it's hard to blame the defense at all tonight. I don't think the defense was great in the second half. I don't think their pick-and-roll defense was very good. Um, they gave up several open threes that kind of busted this game open. But overall, I just don't know how you can expect any team, regardless of who's playing defense, uh, I don't th- know that you can expect any team to win when you're shooting as badly as Iowa's been shooting from behind the arc. So what what do you place Iowa's uh, – I know this is kind of a, a weird question, but how do you where, where do you put the blame for Iowa's struggles, especially late in seasons? Well, I don't know if you if you can pin pinpoint. I think in the past, like a lot of teams, usually when you get knocked out, one of two things happen: um, you don't play good defense, or you have a bad shooting night. And if, if both of those things happen, then you, you got no chance. So, um, you know, you got to make shots. I mean, that's that sounds simple, but um, you know, you can only rely on your defense so much. Uh, you know, so you know they, they're they're going to have to they're going to have to get themselves out of this shooting slump, and I think I think they've got to be a little more balanced in terms of twos and threes, and attacking the basket and posting up and and uh, establishing kind of like at football where you establish a run to throw the ball. They got to establish some post touches, which I thought they did early, and then they kind of got away with it, and they. Um, and they just could not make any threes. Uh, and so it just kind of mushroomed. So um, it's going to be, in a, I'm curious myself to see what happens Saturday because this will be a tough one to come back from. They've had two really bad games, two bad shooting games. Now, I mentioned that the two best defensive teams probably in the league, but still they're, they've got to be frustrated. So what is the, what are the true colors of this team, Gary? Is it the, the, uh, stretch back in late December, early January, where Iowa lost to Eastern Illinois and uh, lost at Nebraska and lost to, at home against Wisconsin and lost at Penn State and couldn't shoot the ball. And, of course, th- this evening and Sunday, we couldn't shoot the ball. Or is it the stretch of, of games where Iowa won 9 of 12 in the Big Ten? Uh, I think what they are right now is an up-and-down team. I think I think they lack consistency. Um, and uh, a lot of teams are like that. Uh, you, you probably can say that about just about every team in the Big Ten, with maybe the exception of of Northwestern and and um, and Purdue. Uh, that getting more consistent, everybody's striving to do that at this time of the year. And uh, right now, Iowa's not there yet. And um, um, that's that's the mission: is to try to get there as quick as possible. So Gary, give us give us reason for uh, well. First of all, Ryan wants to know, Gary, uh, should Iowa implement the triangle when they can't shoot from the perimeter? No, I don't think they can get like we have mentioned before. I think you start changing things, and then it just um, you know it just takes away their confidence even more. I think you got to do what you're doing and what you've always done, but just got to do it better. You got to execute better. You got to screen better. You got to cut better. Got to post up stronger. You got to make better moves, and then obviously you got to shoot better. Um, to just change things, um, you know, I, I think that um, and, and and add something that's totally new from something you've never done before. 
is um, is not the way to go. Um, now you might you know you might throw in a few wrinkles here and there to try to get that. I, I you know I could see that, but to make wholesale changes, I think it's too late in the year to be doing that. I will say this, Gary, is is we go further and further into this season and and further and further along in the Fran era. I am starting to side with the people who say that uh, Fran's two foul rule or jail, as Sidearm Six says in our chat, is uh, maybe a little bit outdated. Um, you mentioned uh, last Sunday, and, and I don't think you made it took a stance on it one way or the other, but you did bring up the the point that if a guy gets two fouls you know, five minutes into a game, sitting him for 15 minutes of regulation and then for another 15 minutes at halftime probably isn't going to do him any good in the second half. Chris Murray got that second foul, if I think, what, I don't know how many time, five five to eight minutes somewhere in there uh, to go in the first half. Of course, he's I think it was more the- than that. I think it was more than that. I think it was more like, I think it was, I think it was right around the eight-minute eight, eight minute TV timeout. I've never liked it. You know, I, you know, I, I can see why coaches do it. Uh, Bo Ryan did it. Fran did it. I, I get it. Um, it's a it's a philosophy they believe in, and more power to them. I've never liked it, um, but hey, it's easy to sit here behind a desk and say I don't like it. You know, if Chris had, had played and got a third foul or a fourth foul, then you know, then it then it doesn't look so bad. But I I I, I would be more of uh, who is it and how much time's left and. And see if I could milk a few minutes out of him. I don't think there's any question him sitting for as long as he did did not help. Uh, but um, I also, you know, coaches, a lot of coaches have that rule. Great guards got that rule. A lot of mentor crowd was. A lot of them have it. And uh, a lot of successful coaches have it. Um, so it is what it is. And Chris knows it. So, and they all know it, but you know, if they get two fouls, they're going to the bench. So they got to be careful. And unfortunately, um, you know, he got those two, and and I don't think there's any question that it that it affected his play. And Gary, I made the comment to you at halftime via text. I said, "There's two ways to look at this halftime deficit. They're down by one." I said, "One, I was very fortunate to be down one after shooting just 31 percent from the field and eight percent from three. And with Chris Murray riding the pine for a lot of that first half, or you can look at it the second mm-hmm. way. Iowa blew an opportunity to take firm hold of this game early with Wisconsin's eight turnovers. And as you mentioned, Crowell on the bench for much of the first half. Um, were you more optimistic or pessimistic given the circumstances at halftime? I was more pessimistic. I, I thought uh, I thought they let an opportunity go that, um, that might come back and haunt them um, because – you know, Wisconsin is a team that that uh, you know that is going to hang around, and so if you have a chance to really get some separation, you know they struggle offensively, and uh, you know I thought um, with better play they might have had a ten or fifteen point lead at half, and I think it could have been a totally different game. I I, I was more with I thought it was a wasted opportunity, um, and I was worried about Chris playing well because of him sitting so long and, and only having, I don't know, I'm not sure he even scored in the first half. So you sit that long, you don't even score. That's not conducive to coming back and lighting people up. It's happened before. I mean, it, it's happened. It's not like it's never happened, but I think the odds are that it won't. Gary, just a couple quick questions uh, more, and I appreciate you taking the time this evening as always. Dom wants to know uh, your thoughts on Chris. I mean, obviously riding the bench for as long as he did didn't help, 
But Dom says he just doesn't look NBA ready to me, and something seems to be weighing on him, I think. Uh, do you pick up on that, or do, is there anything going on with Chris that you can identify? I, I, I don't think so. I think he's, you know, people want to compare him to Keegan, and he's not Keegan, and he's not there yet. Um, and, you know, maybe he'll get there. Um, but, um, and then I think you've got to remember that Keegan had a little more around him than what Chris has got. And then, and, uh, you know, and then when you throw in the fact that all of them are struggling, <laughs> it puts even more pressure on them. So, um, it's a, it's a tough go right now. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, and obviously he's got to play well to give Iowa a better chance of winning and, and he didn't tonight. And part of that was foul trouble, but he just never, he never got going. Um, and you know, Wisconsin deserves some of the credit for that, but, um, you know, I'm sure he'd be the first to say that he, he wasn't happy with the way he played and, and hopefully he'll take it out on Michigan state on Saturday because he's, he's not playing to his capability, but he's a developing player that, um, you know, has got a lot of pressure on him because of, you know, because of the talent that's around him. Gary, not to beat a dead horse on this, but you know, we, we can look at the the shooting numbers, and, and that's one thing, right? I mean, they to shoot 11% from three. But is it just me, or were almost every one of those threes open tonight? I don't know of all of them, but uh, a, good, a good... Most uh, of them? Um, <laughs> what did they shoot? How many, how many did they shoot? They shot 28. They were three of 28. Three of 28. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I would say at least half. I, I thought some were rushed, but not not, not a ton. They they they, they missed some, and some were deep. I did not have a good vantage point. I'll be honest with you. I was the corner of the court in the first row, so players were standing up, and I, I didn't. I got a good chance to watch my son work as a manager, but as far as watching the game, it wasn't wasn't the greatest vantage point. But hey, I was in the I was in the gym, so I was happy with that. But. Um, <clears throat> I, I think more alarming is how badly they missed them. They, they weren't even close to going in, most of them. Yeah, and we this is such an odd situation. We've got such a unique situation with the roster makeup. And I look at Peyton Sanford, and I say the same thing each and every postgame show. He takes so many threes that I think are just bad shots. And I've never seen a guy who, who you view as a three-point shooter. Like, that's what we view Peyton Sanford as. And yet he gets up there, and it seems like a third of his shots – Either the ball's coming off his hand weird, or he's not square to the basket, or he's kind of releasing it in a robotic fashion. Do you see what I'm seeing with Peyton Sanford's shot at times? Well, anybody will tell you if you, you to be a great shooter, you gotta you gotta be consistent. You know, you gotta you know your your stroke has got to be pretty similar. You know, it's like a snowflake. It's different every time you shoot it, and it's you know, then you you got. You got a less chance of being being successful. So, whether that's setup or delivery or things like that, I, I think um, he, he needs work in, in that regard. He certainly got a chance. I mean, he certainly got potential. I don't know if there's any doubt. We've seen it, uh, but um, you know, he, he like a lot of the guys is a work in progress. Final question from Carrie in our chat. She says, and we've addressed this again, uh, Coach. So appreciate you being patient with these questions, but. Kerry uh, says, can you ask Coach Close who he thinks the leader of this team is right now? In the past, I thought Connor held that spot after the last few games. I'm not so sure. That's a good question. I, I don't know if I've got an answer 
for that as well. I, I but <laughs> excuse me, if I had to say something, I would say it would be Connor, but um, I'm not sure myself. That's a good. That's a good question. So give me your not uh, Gary. Give me your on a scale of one to five. Give me your level of panic with one being the least five being the most. Um, <laughs> not as a coach, as a, as a, as a, you know, I mean, obviously Fran's not well, panicking. I get that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I've got to see Saturday's game. Uh, that that's going to be big. If they play like they played the last two games Saturday, then, I, then it's a five. Um, okay. but you know, it's tough to win on the road in this league against two real good defensive teams. So, um, I think Saturday is huge, uh, and if they they've got to they've got to play well Saturday, obviously to win, but for their own psyche. So, um, I you know like like a lot of people, I'm I'm concerned, uh, but I want to see what, I want to see how they play on Saturday before I get real panicky. I appreciate the super chat here from Jared, the actor. He says, I was behind the Badger bench tonight. Crazy to see how timid and apprehensive Iowa gets on the road in a hostile environment. They choked offensively. Appreciate the super chat there from Jared. Final thoughts, Gary, on the Spartans. This is a matchup that I don't love, especially now with with it meaning so much. Um, How does Iowa get it done? It's going to be a sold out, right? It's a sold out game. Hopefully everybody gets there on time because it's an early tip off at 11 a.m. Central time. How does Iowa get it done in the uh, back half of the uh, the series between the Hawkeyes and the Spartans? Well, I think good news is it's going to be more up and down. There's going to be more uh, be more possessions. There's going to be more up tempo, I would think, and I think that that plays to uh, plays to uh, Iowa's advantage. They they are not you know when it, when it gets to be a half court struggle right now. Um. That's not to their advantage. So I'm hoping that that'll, uh, you know, that'll, that'll give them a chance to get up and get going and get running a little bit and, and <clears throat> knock some shots down and, and, uh, you know, get, get things going. So, um, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think, um, you know, like I said, I want, I want to, they're tough to play it. They're, you know, they're tough to beat at home. And, and, uh, so hopefully the home, home cooking. And a sold out crowd will, uh, and then getting a few early shots to go down and things can, things can, it's, cr- it's crazy. It's a crazy game. Things can turn in a hurry. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, so hopefully we can knock some shots down early and get some momentum going and, and, um, get things going back in the other direction. Gary, if, if Iowa comes out, beats Michigan State, n- somehow knocks off Indiana on the road and then beats Nebraska, we're all going to be feeling pretty good heading into the Big Ten tournament. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, I think I'd take two of those three right now to the bank. But let's let's get the first one on Saturday. Sounds good, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk to you. you. Uh, we we hope to talk to you after. I know you're going to be at the game. We'll figure that all out. But we hope to talk to you after the yeah. game Saturday. No, we'll de- we'll definitely do it. We'll and we'll look forward to it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate the time, sir. Yeah, I see you, Corey. You bet. Bye. All right. Appreciate Coach Close joining us this evening, as always. And uh, I'm here for the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes, continuing to take your calls and chats. Peter, super chat here from Peter Green. He says, why do Iowa fans insist on believing that just because a coach excels football and basketball, it doesn't necessarily mean his son is worth the same sand? 
referring, I think, to uh, certainly Brian and the football team, but I think also referring to uh, Patrick and Connor. I, I, I've been on the record a number of times that uh, Connor has more than proven his worth. Um, I think the frustrations come when his inadequacies shine through, and he was shooting the ball at such a high rate earlier in the year, and we've seen such a drop-off over the last couple of months. I think he's shooting there. Caller called in on Sunday, uh, brought this up. I think he's shooting like 30%, 31% since uh, his hot start. And so, yeah, I mean, he's going to give you a high assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, assist turnover ratio. Um, when Patrick's struggling, it's I guess you can more quickly make that claim because Patrick's not going to give you um, what Connor gives you from a um, – ball handling perspective uh, from a defensive perspective, even. So I think that's a fair topic, but I don't buy into the nepotism claim as it relates to Iowa basketball, because I do think Fran treats everybody the same. I I do see that on nights like tonight, it's easy to be frustrated and uh, call that out. But uh, I think Fran does a pretty good job of managing a couple of kids who, by the way, both of those kids are big 10 level players. They just are. You don't have to like them if you don't want to, but they're Big Ten level players. DC Hawkeye, appreciate the super chat, DC Hawkeye. Corey, thanks for putting up with all of our frustrations tonight. I don't, I'll don't. i be com- completely frank. I don't think this has been my A game this evening either. I feel a little bit off. Maybe it's uh, brushed off on me. Maybe the, the Iowa shooting performance is brushed off on me as a host. So forgive my inadequacies. It is like 1130. It's been a long day. When they have these late tips, I always feel a little bit off once we start the post game show at like 10 10 30 so appreciate the super chat dc hawkeye all right let's go to our next caller ryan welcome to the show ryan appreciate you calling our iowa smokehouse call in line Corey, thank you for taking my call um good evening uh on a terrible night like tonight thank god for iowa smokehouse because it tastes good Absolutely. i had to get I, it, it's my weakness and um <laughs> Just a couple orders that I got 15% off on. Anyway, um, what's your opinion as far as I think one issue we have is, you know, every broadcast is, hey, we're 80 points a game. And, you know, I think Carver pads that number a lot. It seems like outside of Rutgers and Ohio State, um, where we, like you said, we didn't play a lick of defense. I, I, I see the Richmond game last year in the tournament. You know, very winnable. Uh, we're probably better on paper, but we don't execute. We don't shoot. And my question for you is: Do you feel that we're, or maybe Fran, allows way too much guns a blazing from three? You know, if you're one of 15, eventually we might get to four of 25 and get a few points that way versus taking good shots. Now, I fully agree. Most of the missed threes in the last couple of games were fairly wide open, but yet you still had Peyton Sanford, which he did in the Illinois game in a clutch moment, and it worked, and good on him. But taking some pretty cockamamie off-balance threes with a guy in his face 22 and a half feet out uh, with 25 seconds left on the shot clock. 
or, you know, whatever it may be. We're not exactly, we don't exactly have, like a few years ago, 7-1 and 6-11 and 6-9 there to to uh, rebound the ball. We got Phillip and maybe Chris. Um, I wanted your thoughts on that. And the thing that I was thinking is, you know, a DeSante Bowen might have been the player of the game for Iowa against a fairly decent, okay program named Duke. And, you know, he drove to the basket a lot and had success. And he's, like, irrelevant now. And it bothers me that we're not adjusting our offense. And maybe Fran starts red lighting some of these guys a little bit so that we take good quality shots. Again, I'm not condemning the wide open three. And there were plenty that we, you know, built a house with, with all the bricks. But when the three's not going, and I realize you win and die by the three more times than not, you still got to score some points. And having a DeSante Bowen, a Tony Perkins, like he did at Illinois, Tony Perkins, I don't think, had a single three-pointer at the Illinois game this year. And he had 32 points because he was aggressive driving to the basket, attacking the rim. And why do we get away from these kinds of things? We lose games badly against teams we shouldn't lose to or lose so badly to in the last couple of games because we just live and die off the three and just, you know, build a seven-story mansion with bricks. Fran's offense is just so predicated on being able to shoot the, the three. And I just don't. The thing is, Gary Ryan, Gary brought this up. Iowa don't have much of an inside presence. After Philip Rabracha, who's going to get you points inside? I know you brought up Tony Perkins, and yes, he can drive you and get you baskets. But we had somebody earlier in the chat bring up the fact that Ulysses. How often does he really attack the rim? He never attacks the rim ever. Like he does not attack the rim. Tony will attack the rim, but I think he's lacking confidence in a lot of regards, which is weird because he's had games where he's went off. But it's a consistency problem, and I don't think he has confidence that he can be a consistent scorer or a consistent shooter, certainly. Um, and, yeah, you brought it up. I mean, I was I, – I think Gary was being a little bit conservative when he said probably half the threes were open. I think at least three-quarters of the threes were open. I, I, I just agree with it. you, Corey. And Sanford – by the way, Sanford – you're absolutely right about Sanford. He jacks up a lot of shots. I don't know – I, I don't think you just throw the red light up on these guys because if you start doing that, like Gary said, you're probably going to compound the issue because if guys are lacking confidence now, what's going to happen once you start discouraging them from taking shots? Can you at least red light, hey, we got 20 seconds, 25, whatever it is, on the shot clock left, 20 seconds, 15 seconds. Sure. You got a guy in your face and you're off balance. You don't need to be throwing up a 22-foot or off balance when you still have time to get it to a guard. And, you know, this is one of the problems I think we have. Our guards just aren't as assertive as they need to be. Now, like uh, a Connor, who's the ball handler, I'm not talking about. I'm talking more about Tony, and given a guy who has shown it against Duke, Iowa State, 
you know, I, last yeah. I checked, Iowa State is a high seed in bracketology. DeSante Bowen. I mean, he's a he gets as much playing time as uh, Courtney Eldridge's kid nowadays, it, give or take a minute here and there. He gets as much playing time as you, Ryan. Hey, you know what? I, I could shoot the three in my day, but I'm slow <laughs> and short. <laughs> um, Ryan, I'll say this. Uh, the, the DeSante Bowen question is fair. And, you know, uh, even though he hasn't really proven a whole lot from behind the, I don't think he's the answer from three. I think what you said about attacking the rim is fair. Um, it seems like Aaron Euless has a hesitancy to do that. And if he's not able to make threes consistency, consistently, he's not giving you a whole lot offensively, right? And he was one right. of five tonight. So I think that's fair to ask, why isn't DeSante playing more? I think it's also fair to ask, why isn't Josh Dix playing a little bit more? Um, I know he missed his only attempt tonight, but he made some threes during January and during conference play and showed the ability to handle the ball. Maybe you need, maybe it's trial by fire for some of these younger guys. I think that's a fair point. I don't think you just start, I don't think you bench Perkins and Euless, but no, maybe no, mix in no. instead of five minutes for Dix, you give him 10, and instead of no minutes for Bowen, you give him five. And, 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 and in those five minutes, let him actually show his aggressiveness. And the other thing is, is when you drive to the basket, you might get the layup. You might not, but you, well, not necessarily in Madison because we know how things go there officiating wise. Not that tonight was terrible, but you could definitely pick up. It's a good crew tonight. It, well, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't see Crookie Courtney there. And yeah, it was a pretty good crew. Um, it was one of the better officiated Madison games. I've seen some real doozies. But um, I guess all I'm saying is, when you drive to the basket, you have a real good chance of getting fouled, and we are good at the free throw line. So when the three's not going down, figure Fran, and you know, there's many examples over the years where Fran struggles when the team is struggling shooting from the field to find points for this team. Okay, you're going to shoot. 15, 20% from the three. Well, you got to find other ways to get it to 70 points because we do not win in the 60s, let alone the 50s. You know, um, and we're again, almost in the 50s. We were stuck on 49 for a while. I thought, okay, it's a, it, they may not hit 50. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know you're done. You know you're done. Yeah. Because, and, and I completely agree with you. Wisconsin is not a very good team this year. This is <laughs> probably the worst Badger team I've seen in 10 years. And they, they are, listen, they're not a good basketball team right now. They're not. No, no, they're no. Like, not in any, like I say, in any fashion. I don't know of anything that uh, about them that is impressive to me. Like Crowell is, is pretty good. Tyler Wall is pretty good. Asesian's a good three-point shooter. That's an average team at full strength. Hepburn is pretty good on defense. You know, I, I got to give him, I got to give him that. Uh, but uh, it, it, I'm going to be at the Michigan state game, weather permitting. And uh, I don't know. It just, it kind of stinks because like what you said, 
I never like our chances against Michigan State, not because of personnel, but, you know, the second I see Crooked Courtney, I'm going to tell my dad, hey, do you want to go get our steak dinner hey, a little early? Ryan, if, if Courtney Green's officiating on Saturday, will you run out in the court and tackle him? <laughs> Would you do that? No, my kids will be watching. I will be okay. a complete gentleman like I That's usually good. am unless I'm talking about somebody's dental plan. Okay. <laughs> oh, Which right. I do apologize for, Corey, by Okay, the way. thank you. Appreciate hey, it. anyway, um, thanks a lot. And Oh, I wanted to ask one question. If you could ask Coach Close, because uh-huh. he's obviously done. Um, I read a really interesting article in 8-Yard. Eight years now, great guard. How many technical fouls does he have in his entire career at Wisconsin? Very few. I saw that article. One. One. Now. That's interesting. I have not been keeping track. I have not been keeping track. I'm going to guess that Fran McCaffrey has a couple more than that. A couple more year. than that in his well, Fran's been here 13 years. He's got um, like in this in the year. last. Well, he's got five this year. Okay, let's okay, like, five, right, five this year alone. Five, wait a minute, he's only got five this year. Oh wait, five ejections in his career, and I think he's got about. He's got. Let's just see. He had two technicals against Northwestern the other night. He had five ejections. It was sorry, Wisconsin the first time he had a tag. I'm trying to think of his other tees this year. I think he's had at least five T's. I, I thought he had more than that, but anyways, go on. So it's safe to say Fran has a couple more. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering, um, today is Ash Wednesday. Is it that Greg Gard is St. Greg, that he is just such a official whisperer? Or well, He's a different personality. Like, he's not, as you know, he's just a very bland that's just how he is. He didn't have a lot of fire. And some guys would say that's better. I mean, some you 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 he doesn't have the fire that Fran does, but he also doesn't cost his team with technical fouls and, and free throws. I know. And I, I it's just weird because like when we had Lick Lider, oh God. Um the guy wouldn't stand up for you for nothing. And so Fran was a breath of fresh air. But I think there's a limit too. Um, they're not all, you know. They're not always the most well timed. Um, I'm still a Fran fan for the most part, even though I really do wish he would change up his reliance on live and die with the three. Um, our better teams were when we had rim protectors, bigger guys, and you know pretty good guards and i don't think our guards are bad but i do not feel our guards are always as assertive as they should be i would expect that tony perkins would have taken the indiana and especially the illinois game as well as ohio state and that should be all the confidence you need you know to just be that alpha dog guard that we sorely lack. Now, Connor's a great floor general. He'll tell you where you need to be, and he's a coach on the floor. Doesn't pad the stats necessarily, but um, he's been fantastic. I don't 
I don't doubt it'll be our head coach of basketball in. Well, no, LFG, LFG, LFG says you're going to be the next head coach. Not qualified. I'm not smart (laughs) enough. I'm not smart enough. Well, LFG, he begs to differ on that. He says that uh, Hawkeye fans are pouring into the streets to celebrate after Ryan is named the next head coach of Iowa basketball. (laughs) No. And uh, I wouldn't have my son on the team unless they were as good as Connor, to be honest with you. Um, But anyway, hey, thanks a lot for taking my call. And uh, we got to get Sparty and we got to absolutely get Nebraska, even if we get them both. I'm still going to be worried about the road and I'm afraid of eight, nine hell. And after tonight, I'm afraid that might be like our best case scenario. Yeah. Seven. I guess I think seven is probably the ceiling right now. Uh, So you go eight, nine, you're what you got to do is root that Kansas is number one in your, in your, um, you don't, you don't think you don't buy into Kansas. No, not really. I think I don't think Kansas is that good. Um, well, they're good, obviously, but they're not a one. They're not as good as most one seeds are, is what I'm saying. So I'm hoping well, Kansas would be the one if we're in eight nine hell. Otherwise, go ten seed. Who are the other ones right now? You'd have Purdue, Kansas, Houston. Who's the fourth? Probably uh, Bama right now, right or Tennessee. I was going to say Tennessee, but it is, I, I think you, you want that whoever that fourth team is. I, I, I think there's a drop-off after those top three in my mind. It, yeah, well, I mean, if Tennessee is the one, then I'd be good with that. I don't want – well, it wouldn't – probably wouldn't be Purdue. Well, no, I, it's, I want nothing to do with Houston. I mean, you might, you might get some uh, – Top but Ryan, it, it could be Purdue because Iowa only played them once this season, so they they can't. wouldn't. If we're eight nine, they're not going to put us in the same division with Purdue. They did that with Michigan State, and Minnesota, a couple of years ago in the tournament. They played in Des Moines, and those two teams played in the second round of the tournament. I never know what happens. It's not typical. Yeah. Um, no, I want nothing to do with Purdue. Um, I'm going to root for them to go all the way. If it's not us, I don't think it'll be a Big Ten team. Yeah, he um, says that Alabama was the number one overall seed. I'm just saying of the top four teams, I think they're – I would put them as number four. I, I, I think uh, – They have a lot of uh, distraction going on. You got right some now. problems down there. They <laughs> yes, gotta, they, you know, say what you want. I will say this, you know, and I read an article on that on The Athletic about that whole thing. And I will say this, Iowa in 13 years under McCaffrey has had one player get arrested and he was actually a fairly prominent, a very prominent player, but you know, it was taken care of and he never screwed up again. And it was for a DUI. It was Peter Jock. And I don't think there was a single other incident of a police record under a Fran player. So you can say that for him. He's a player's coach. Uh, We don't have the transfer problem. Most schools do. By all accounts, he's a great guy to play for. Um, You know, I know a sweet 16 will uh, boost his popularity rating a lot. 
Uh, probably It'll be hard be year to do that. <laughs> it won't be this year. Won't be this year. And but I will say this real quick, Corey. I don't think Chris Murray's ready quite yet. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, hey, listen. He, he's I, gone I, anyway. I'm sure, but I think he's gone anyway. I, I think he's a, a first round draft pick because of his upside. What the what the draft experts believe to be his upside based on what I see in mock, mock drafts. I think he's a first round draft pick, so he's gonna get paid. But I think he would probably he'd have an opportunity to maybe be a lottery pick if he stayed another year, but I don't think he's going to. Well, he probably won't do the Tracy D- Jackson Davis or whatever his name is route, you know, play four years, but, uh, and still be a first rounder, but I mean, I'm rooting well, for I'm, the kid anyway. Appreciate you calling in, sir, as always. And we'll talk to you hopefully after Saturday's game. Won't be calling in Saturday. Cause I'll be at the game with my dad. And then we're going to dinner, but uh, go Hawks and let's hope. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Appreciate Ryan calling in as always. We've got a couple more callers. Boy, we're going to hit the two-hour mark here if I'm not careful. So we will uh, we will get to our callers. Again, we're recapping Iowa's 64-52 loss to the Wisconsin Badgers. Want to give a quick shout-out to Iowa Smokehouse and their awesome products. They're down in Albia. They're an Iowa company. And, of course, they're sponsoring our post-game coverage here from the Hawkeye of the Storm throughout the month of February and even into March. Visit iowasmokehouse.com for the best deals on great snacking items, whether it's their thick and tender cuts of beef jerky, their flavorful meat sticks, or their awesome steak bites. Tasting is believing with Iowa Smokehouse. Use that code Hawkeye for 15% off by going to iowasmokehouse.com. And, again, at checkout, use the code Hawkeye. Tasting is believing with Iowa Smokehouse. And of course, in addition to Iowa Smokehouse, Brad Van Meter and his team down at State Farm in Des Moines, they offer home, auto, renters, business, life insurance, all of the above. They spend countless hours each and every year monitoring their customers' coverage and of course, uh, making adjustments as needed to meet you on a personal level. They've got three fully licensed team members to help you navigate through the complex insurance world. And they're part of the biggest auto insurance company in the nation. That's State Farm. Brad Van Meter and his team down at 4229 Fleur Drive in Des Moines. Call him at 515-256-6480 or visit him online at bradvanmeter.com. Let's get to our next caller who's been patiently waiting on hold. Thank you for calling the Iowa Smokehouse call-in line. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey. Good evening. This is John. Hey, John. How are you? Oh, I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's almost midnight, and uh, the weather outside is, uh, well, uh, bad to say the least. And uh, the basketball on the court these last two games has been worse. But uh, I'm doing okay. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm in the tunnel. We just got rain today, so it's not too bad. Well, good for you. Um, just curious on your thoughts real quick. I know it's late. Um, has Chris Murray's play this season – hurt his NBA draft stock compared to where maybe it was at the beginning of the season? Uh, when you say the beginning of the season, are you saying before the season started or? or Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, he, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's still got limitations, but let's remember that this was, uh, I mean, he was playing what third or fourth fiddle on last year's team, at least with, with Bohannon and with Keegan Murray, etc. So, I, I don't think that's the case. I do think that he has struggled to adjust at times, especially offensively. Um, but I wouldn't venture to say that he has hurt his draft stock because I think he 
in comparison to where he was prior to the season, he was largely unproven as far as his ability to carry a team. And he's he's carried this team to, as of right now, a 500 record in the conference. Uh, well, I guess one one over 500 in the conference. And, you know, he is, he is the second leading scorer in the Big Ten Conference. So, no, I wouldn't say he's hurt his draft stock, but last month or so, he certainly hasn't helped it. I didn't know, you know, there's Nike has uh, uh, 21 points, and then, like, tonight, he, I believe he had five, and, and BNC's kind of up and down like that. Maybe the NBA would kind of shy away well, from we'll, him we'll, for that. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I always I don't monitor mock drafts as closely as some people do. The mock drafts I've seen still have him going in the first round. So we'll see. I mean, I think he's leaving no matter what, even if he ends up being a second-round prospect. I think he's leaving no matter what based on what he has said and what his father, Kenyon, has said on the record. Um, I would be shocked if he comes back. Let's remember he's also a, he's, he's a junior in, in college, but he's also he's, he's the age of a senior, right? Because he reclassed back, so he took a year at DME Academy down in Florida out of high school. So, you know, guys are encouraged to get to the NBA at a young age. Keegan Murray this year is a rookie, and he's one of the older rookies that uh, uh, I mean, I think he is probably the oldest lottery pick in the draft from this past season. So guys are wanted earlier and at a younger age. So I think the clock, these kids feel like the clock is ticking. So I think Chris would, it would serve him well to come back for another year and develop, but I think he's leaving almost no matter what it would take something big to change that. I think. Well, I, I don't know. I don't follow the NBA. I don't follow the NBA draft, but it seems like to me anyway, that the only thing that would help his draft stock would be if he came back next year and had a monster night every night out, you know, uh, 20 points and 10 rebounds would be the only thing that would help him. So I, I can't, I wouldn't blame him for going this year. I I think one thing that would help him uh, is if the league could see him, scouts could see him um, better his ability at finishing around the rim. And I'm talking about finishing through contact. I do think he struggles with that at times and going up strong with the ball. I think that's maybe his biggest weakness right now. It certainly could develop uh, a better post game. I think he's a little bit one dimensional once he gets down on the block. So there are things he could certainly improve, but I think a lot of what these scouts, I'm I'm trying to speak for people that I, I don't know and I've never job shadowed, but I think a lot of these scouts that are evaluating these kids are looking at upside and like it or not, I have to think what Keegan Murray is doing this year in the league helps Chris's cause. I think a lot of scouts are going to look at Chris and say, Hey, we got his identical twin uh, tearing it up right now for the Sacramento Kings. This kid's a little bit more raw than his brother is, but we can work with this. And he's at least, he's at least worth a, worth a late flyer in that first round. That's my guess of how the uh, scouts are looking at him. But I do think he's, he's a lot more raw than Keegan was last year. And if he came back, uh, you're, you're always running that risk of not moving up and then you lose an entire year of potential pay. But I do think he could boost his draft stock potentially. All right. Well, thanks Corey. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. All right. Appreciate our, our caller there down in Atumwa. Appreciate that. Let's get to our next caller, the Iowa Smokehouse call-in line. James, welcome to the show, James. First off, I want to say glad to see your home and okay because, you know, it is kind of dangerous out there. So I think that's more important than the game is everybody's safety. The game yeah. is just part of, you know, the less 
broader scheme than the what's going on right now. So, and James, you've been waiting on hold for like two hours. I almost fell asleep a couple of times, but you know, I'm still here, so I'll be all right. But Thank you no, for holding tight, sir. But no, first off, uh, one thing I want to say before this is everybody's talking about Chris. I do watch a decent amount of NBA and I do understand how the NBA works. Uh, he definitely won't come back because obviously, as you said, look at people like Draymond, right? Draymond has successful career for himself, right? But him staying that many years in college to what? Made him a second round pick, made 57, so he lost all that money going into it. Look at other people. Denzel Valentine, he lost a lot of money because of it. You know, like, it, it, the longer you stay, the more it hurts you. So, like, he's not going to stay longer. So, like, and I don't I don't think his draft stock really can go up as much just because of the way he plays. I don't think it will change, if that makes sense. So, well, like... I, I think he would need to... You're, you're right. As you age, yeah. your draft stock's going to take somewhat of a hit. I think the question is, can you... Are, is there more potential for positive gains than there is... Uh, uh, you know, drop as it relates to aging. So I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not a scout, but I just think that he, he has not shown the ability to finish through contact. And that to me would be a bit of a red flag if I'm an NBA team. Um, he's, he's pretty raw in the post, but you know, with, with the modern NBA game, James, you, you understand this. He is probably going to fit the mold of being a three and D guy. Now he's struggling from three right now, but in general, he's a solid three point shooter and he's athletic enough to where he can defend. I don't think he's been a great defender at, at the college level at Iowa, but who has? Who, who plays great defense individually at Iowa? I hate to say that, but that's just that's just the reality of the situation here. Um, so you're, you're probably right. I think maybe that's what Kenyon and, and the, my guess is what Chris's thought process is. We could potentially do more damage coming back for an extra year as opposed to increasing what we were able to show scouts on tape and the, the positive gains that could come from that. My my guess is he's gone this year almost no matter what. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I feel like what Keegan's doing is going to help him just because, like, their games kind of can be similar if he plays to that level. Now, I'm not saying he is that level, but, I mean, like, if he plays to that level, their games obviously are the same. You know, he could be that. He could be that. Maybe an NBA coach or an NBA team might be able to get that out of him. You never know. The question is, could, could NIL be uh, – could that change the game? You know, how yeah. much – is Chris Worth yeah. uh, from an NIL evaluation standpoint? Um, that might be a factor. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what NIL opportunities are available for someone like Chris. I know he's for, got NIL deals, but that's a fair question. For sure. One more thing before I get into the day's game. One thing I think that we as Iowa fans take for granted, and especially this year I think is even more, is Jordan Bohannon, right? And I understand people have hated Jordan Bohannon for the – for, uh, some people have hated Jordan Bohannon just because, like, the way he adds, you know, his attitude, the way he just has been right – but he's one of the greatest three-point shooters in Iowa history, and sometimes he can get you that bucket when you're struggling like this. You know, if you had a drawing behind him, he could hit two or three, and maybe that changes the game around. You know, you don't have that guy, and I feel like a lot of people took that for granted, where it's like, oh, well, it's Jordan Bohannon. He was here for his seventh year. Yeah, but he also is a guy that can get you that bucket. He's a guy that, I mean, Indiana, you know, this is the case in general. Who else? Obviously, they're going to double Keegan Murray. So who else do you trust taking that shot? There's only one more person on that court that I trust to take that shot to win the game, and that was Jordan. You know, so, like, for me, that's kind of the factors. Like, I think people are just taking for granted how much he meant to this team. Well, people say, I, I, you know, first of all, um, I don't think anybody should be hated. I, I, I see the comment from Ovalhawk. I never understood why Jobo was so hated. I loved him. Um, I, I've never hated a player. I, why would you hate anybody, um, first of all? But second of all, I think the reason why he was disliked by some people is he didn't play much defense. 
he was here for six years and, and he just wasn't great defensively. Right. Yeah, but the difference between these guys not being defensively and the other guys, these guys are defensively and don't shoot consistently. He'll not play defense, but he yeah. still can hit three or four threes. Oh. That's the difference. Absolutely. No, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. taking yeah, away no. from, from Jordan Bohannon's yeah. decorated six-year career. No, he's one of the greats. Yeah. There's no no taking away. I'm just saying when you're as polarized, when you're, when you're extreme on one end and extreme on the other end, you're very much polarizing, and that's what Kirk Ferentz has become on the football field as a head coach, right? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that part too. I'm just saying, like, it's different. Like, if you don't play defense this year, you can have a guy that can hit three, four threes. Then it makes a little bit different. Like, okay, you don't play as much defense, but you're still contributing something. A lot of these guys aren't making shots, but then they're not contributing on the defensive end. So then it's like it just all snowballs into one big thing. But one thing that really scares me, and I said it earlier too, is like we have a chance from going to a chance to be a double buy team to a team that might have to play in the first round. If we no, lose no, out, they're not, they're not playing the first round. Okay, but you gotta look. The teams behind them have what? Seven lots. There's seven lots. If we lose out, we have nine wins, right? If the teams behind us win out, if Nebraska wins two more games, they'll be nine. They're probably the tiebreaker over us. <laughs> um, let me let me pull up the standings here. Um, there's, there's, I don't know if there's a chance, but there could be a chance. Well, there, I mean, there is a chance. You're, you're, I think there's, you're right. There's a chance. Purdue holds, uh, Penn State holds a tiebreaker. Um, yeah, we'd have to fall below. We'll see. Uh, no, no, we can't fall below. Well, we could fall below Nebraska. Yeah, it's possible. If, if Iowa loses out, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm saying I definitely don't know if you make the NCAA tournament if you fall to play in the first round. Of- I, I think if they – I said it before. If they lose out, I I think they're squarely on the bubble and perhaps on the outside looking in. If they win one game, I think they're in. I agree with I you, too. I'm also sweating on Selection Sunday if they win one game and then lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. The I agree with you too, and that that's what scares me to happen too. Because I man, I said this earlier, and you kind of I, I said it about the the conference tournament or not the conference tournaments, the tournaments we play at neutral site and we couldn't win a game. And then you kind of were like, "Hey, this is a kind of outlier." But I kind of was pointing to it in that fact where I felt like we didn't play well in those, and then kind of you kind of seen it go on for the rest of the way. I don't know if you remember me saying anything about that because that was a long time ago at the beginning of the year, but. Where I kind of said, like, oh, I don't feel like we play very well. Why are we in these? We don't play very well. And that rather get a couple of home games or get a home game out of it instead. And then you were like, oh, they still have decent success in it or whatever. But then I felt like that's kind of the outlier of like that was what they've been all year. Are we talking? Are we talking about the neutral site games? Yeah, the ones at the beginning of the year when we played Clemson and TCU, and I said we didn't look very good. Why are we playing in these? I'd rather play a home game against somebody else to get shots. And then. Well, I think I think if anything, uh, James, I should have played more games on the road. I mean, true. Yeah, this year I don't know. They're just not very, they're not playing very well on the road, so it's oh, kind of scary me this year. But I don't think I don't think racking up home wins helps you in March. I'm just it saying, does, it I, doesn't. But it's I mean, I'd rather it's, be I'd rather play on neutral courts away from home or even on the road in November and December and and get that under your belt and build confidence that, Hey, we can win away from home. They haven't done that. They haven't built yeah. any confidence away from home. That, that Rutgers game should have built some confidence, but that seems to have went by the wayside. So if anything, I'd advocate for more games away from home. And one more thing too. I, <clears throat> I said this earlier, I just feel like friends been the same way since we've been here. Right. And since Luca really, I feel like this has been the offense since Luca. And we said this about football too. They're very, how do I say this? One dimension, you know, what's coming. Right, to dump to the post. Either he kicks it out, or he has two guys on him, one or two guys. And he goes one on one and tries to get a bucket. 
Rebracha does, or kick it out, and then they restart the offense. And then tonight, they restarted the offense and got too late into the shot clock, and they didn't shoot the ball. And then you see what happened with Wisconsin like three times where they got late in the shot clock, shot the ball, and it went in somehow because they at least shot it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But it'll be interesting to see, and we need a couple of these wins. They would build confidence, and I guarantee you get us in the tournament, and that's the most important thing at this point. But what is your thoughts if we get in the tournament? Are you still scared? Even if let's say we win two, let's say we beat Michigan State and Nebraska, right? And then maybe we squeak one by or we lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. What's your thinking going into like how do you what do you feel going into NCAA? Well, if they do that, if they if so if they win one game from here on out, is that what you're saying? No, if they okay, they win one or two. Let's say they might beat Michigan, but let's say at least they beat one of these teams, and then they may they either lose close or they win the first round game, and then they lose and then they play the first round in NCAA. How yeah, you I'm feel? not feeling great, but I think actually it might help Iowa if they're a ten or eleven as opposed to a, you know, eight or nine. I, I agree, with I, you, Jeff. Yeah. I think it'd be better to be a ten or eleven. I'm not saying you want them to lose, but I'm saying I could see them with their backs up against the wall. We hit the tournament. Maybe they make a run because ten will help us. Ten will help us, especially for the second round game. You don't um, want to be let. You don't want to be in an eleven and have to play in the playing round. Yeah, true, true. But like, if we're normal eleven and we don't have to play in the play, and I mean, if you have to play the yeah, three, yeah, you're I right. Feel more comfortable with that. Then yeah. I, obviously, I, I feel like I agree. I agree. But I feel like it'd be interesting to see, and I just hope we show up on Saturday. That's all that matters. Like, just show up. It's been tough these last couple of games, but we also can't think about it. And I know there's people out there saying fire frame this and that. Like, I understand your point. It does get frustrating at the time, but it's like, it's like, and yes, he does fade at some points like this. But I don't know what it is, and. If we can get it figured out, maybe. But like, that's up for other people to say. That's not my job. I'm not going to be a person that's going to be like fire somebody. That's not unfortunately that's not my job. So I don't have control over that. So. so you never said fire Brian. I mean, I've said fire Brian, but that's different. I'm talking about the head coach. Okay. I'm talking about head coach. Coordinators, oh, okay. I'm fine with with firing. I'm talking okay. about head coaches. That's not my job. I don't control that. That's obviously it's for higher up to decide. But it is your job to fire assistant coaches. I mean, I wish it was. I would fire Brian. I would fire Brian before I even got there. So. <laughs> Fire him before he even gets there. All right. Yeah. But all right. Enjoy your night and uh, try to stay safe these this next couple of days with this weather. And uh, yep. that's most important. Uh, we'll talk to you on s- Saturday, hopefully in a little bit happier of a mood, you know. Yep. You as well, sir. Stay safe. We'll talk yep. to you Saturday. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, let's go to our call-in line. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game with Coach Gary Closer. Iowa Smokehouse call-in line. Who's on the line? Circle Herc. Circle Herc. How you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Corey? I am doing wonderful. Well, I'm not doing wonderful. Have you looked outside? Have you watched Big Ten Network this evening? I'm not doing wonderful. I'm doing okay. For midnight well, on, a, do, on a Thursday morning, I'm doing okay. I do live in Ames, and I am looking outside, and I can barely see out there because my window is covered in ice. Yeah, it's a good day to be inside. I wish we had better basketball to watch, but uh, definitely a good day to stay inside. I have three things I want to get to very fast. And the first one is give love to this channel. From the Hawkeye of the Storm, it's very therapeutic. Win or lose, Corey, it's the best one. You know, and and also if you follow if you follow Corey on YouTube, make sure you follow him on Twitter and all other social media because I love to get into it with you. 
we disagree all the time on Twitter, I think. And, uh, I think that's good. You know, we need to, we need to fight a little bit and it's very like professional and, uh, it's very, um, you know, cordial and, uh, we disagree, but that's good. I I appreciate that circle Herc. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for debate. I'm all for, uh, disagreement as long as it's done in a respectful manner. And I, I appreciate you being cordial and, I do appreciate you giving the, the channel a shout out. And yeah, I, I shouldn't uh, overlook our different social media platforms. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, of course, uh, the Instagram and Facebook pages need help as far as growth. And I don't do a great job. We've had some help with with uh, Instagram here of late. But I do appreciate you putting in plug for all the social media. And, and of course, sh- sharing the show on social media helps a bunch as well. So I appreciate that. Uh, my next thing is uh, give love to the callers that call into uh, your show. I have a couple highlighted here, Ryan, James, and especially Doug. I think it was Doug last week had a comment about how people were bullying him or being negative towards him in the chat. I want to give a quick shout out to Doug. I think it's Doug. I'm, I hope I'm not yeah. uh, messing that up. Yeah, it's Doug. Um, he, by the way, he's a names guy as well. Oh, it was uh, well. We need to get together for dinner then, if that's the case. <laughs> but, 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 uh, Doug, don't don't listen to the haters, man. You're great. Uh, all these, you know, it takes a lot of guts to call in or comment or whatever, and you know, to um, put yourself up to scrutiny. Um, you know, that takes a lot of guts, and I just want to say, like, everybody, comment. And don't worry about what other people are going to say because they're not going to say it. So give love to all the callers and commenters. Um, I mean, this is the Hawkeye platform. We're all in the same boat. We're all going for the same goal. You know, whether we, uh, today is an international margarita day. And sometimes some people drink a little bit more than you're supposed to. And that might be me right now. And it might be Ryan or it might be (laughs) another caller. So, you know, just give everybody a chance and who cares? That's what I say. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, yeah, I, I we didn't get a call from Doug tonight. We didn't get a call from Tony either, a couple of our regulars. But you're right. Tony, the caller, yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the callers, obviously Coach Close and Coach Patterson really make the show go. But uh, the callers, we couldn't do the show without the callers. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I've got uh, one more thing. And before I get to that, uh, obviously I'm the guy who – uh, gives all the uh, fake questions to the coaches. <laughs> I try to instill a little humor into the call-in show, and I think that uh, that's important also. Absolutely. And, and on that note, I am going to be at the Michigan State game this Saturday, and if anybody wants to come and say hi to me, I will be the one wearing gold. I, I saw that the other day, so I'll, I'll be sure to uh, try to pick you out on television. The problem is it's the gold out game. So it's going to be a weird where's Waldo type situation. If you can find me, I'll give you a gift card to what's your favorite place to eat uh, in Ames, Iowa, because I'm having a trouble. I'm having a hard time figuring out what I like the most. What's your favorite place to eat in Ames, Iowa? Favorite restaurant in Ames. Yeah. That's a great question. Great question. What what what's your favorite place to eat in Ames, Iowa? I, I would say 
I don't have a favorite. I would say probably the best place to eat in Ames, Iowa is probably the Phillips gas station. <laughs> the, the filling station. The filling station. Yes. Yeah. They, they do their own barbecue. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I've heard good things. I've heard good. I've, it, I don't know that I've ever had their food. I know what you're talking about, uh, but you're right. I've heard a lot of people make that comment. That's, some would say that's pretty sad that the best place in Ames is a gas station. But I would also say yeah. there's, I mean, I, I know we're kind of giving people free publicity here, but Hickory Park is uh, known across the state, I think across the, the country from some uh, sport. I know a lot of the ESPN crews like to go to, at least used to like to go to, to ESPN when they'd come to town. Um, there's some good options in town. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the nice thing about Ames, as you know, Circle Herc, is uh, there does appear to continue to be nice commercial growth and there's always the restaurants that people want here. I don't, I think, you know what I'm talking about, the different places that fail to make appearances here in Ames, but, uh, yeah. um, yeah, there's, there's some good options. This is a nice town. That's right. I mean, you know, other than, uh, the filling station, I mean, the next best place is probably uh, McDonald's. So I don't know, go Hawks. And, um, I'll be the one wearing gold on Saturday. So come up and say hi. Appreciate Thanks the for call, you, Corey. And uh, this is great. Thanks for allowing us um, goofballs to call in and everything. So go Absolutely. on. Thank you, sir. I appreciated that call from from our good friend, Circle Herc, who's been a part of the show for a long time and is an, is an Ames guy. So appreciate him calling in. And uh, we do have one final caller, I believe. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate the compliment here. And if I missed your comment earlier, uh, I apologize. CJ, yes, Coach Close came on earlier. So definitely uh, jump back and, and listen to our segment with Coach Close. Um, Ryan says, thanks to the show, I learned one major thing about Iowa and basketball in general. Elite coaches recruit elite talent that builds elite programs. And Shane, thank you for this. Just ordered the, the, uh, the is that how you spell it? Meat sweat package? I've not seen that package. I'll have to check that out at iowasmokehouse.com. So uh, a little extra publicity for our, our sponsor this evening. So appreciate uh, you supporting our sponsor, Shane. And, of course, if you're interested in support, supporting any of our sponsors, check out uh, the uh, the links in our description. All right, let's get to our final caller of the night, Shane. Uh, Shane, I'm sorry. Jared, welcome to the show, Jared. Hey, Corey, how's it going, man? Good. How are you, sir? Doing good. Uh, reason I'm calling is because I was at the game tonight, and uh, the weather here is atrocious. Uh, we barely made it there to the parking ramp, and I slosh around <laughs> in my boots to try and uh, even get to the arena. But I uh, watched the game, and it was it was an interesting one. I was there with my wife, and we were both wearing from the Hawkeye of the Storm gear. So I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah. You're the man. You you got your wife to wear it too. Yes, and she doesn't even like Iowa that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we appreciate her being a walking billboard for us. Yeah, and I was I was hoping, and after I heard uh, Coach Coast call in, I was secretly hoping that somehow my seats would land next to his, but that didn't didn't you quite happen. I, hey, you picked the wrong bench tonight. Uh, yeah, I was on the other side, and I I was looking around for for um. For, for Coach Close, I, I didn't actually realize his son was um, an assistant for, for the Hawks. 
Yeah, uh, he's a well, he's a he's a student manager. Yep. Yeah, but he's on he's on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, he's he's part of the team. Oh, got it. Yeah, so I'm I'm like you. I'm kind of it's, it's I've been on hold for over an hour. I'm running out of steam, so. <laughs> I appreciate you hanging tight. Yeah, we've had a lot of people in the chat. I appreciate everybody, like I said on Sunday, being engaged despite the loss. That's one thing I got to give Iowa fans credit for. We couldn't do this show if people just were completely fair weather. I mean, there's people who are upset about the loss and upset about these last two games, but people still show out because they care. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to give a couple quick observations um, because I, it's, it's, it's seldom that I see the Hawks play in person It's usually once a year, once every couple of years, really, because I do live in Madison, but I have a theory on the fan frayed or fan uh, fade rather. Um, and, and hear me out, but you know, it's, it's one thing to watch it on TV, but it's another thing to see them play in person because they are absolutely running up and down the court, like crazy people. It, you know, they're, they're in the full court press, and on offense, they're they're flying around and they're just exhausting themselves. And I think you know, towards the end of the season, it, it could seem like that maybe just even with their rotations that they do, they kind of run out of energy. And and to, you know, tonight, for example, I, I just saw them just kind of in and out of the game and flying around, and I was exhausted watching them play that play that style of basketball. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um, I, I will say this: that uh, the style is is uh, modern, and it is a style that at times you wonder uh, fatigue. If it, without a real deep roster, you know they don't go real deep. Uh, Fran doesn't go real deep with this specific team like he has in past years. Perhaps the style does um, create the possibility of some some. Uh, fatigue issues as the season goes on. I, I don't know if that's what's going on now. You, you know, I had somebody ask that, I think on Sunday, could this be a result of tired legs? Coach close kind of shot that down. So I don't think that's what it is. And I would venture to say that he's probably right because again, we saw this same stretch of this same pattern back in late December, early January, and they got out of the slump and playing better one nine of 12. But I, I just, I, I would, I think using fatigue as an excuse is, is just that as an excuse they got to figure out a way out of this. I think, as Gary said, this Saturday will be an opportunity because it will be a mu- much more up-paced game. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, I, I think I think they'll figure this out. I, I think they'll get back to shooting the ball better. I, I don't see this stretch continuing into the Big Ten tournament. Um, I look at what the, the blip on the radar that we saw late in late December, that was inconsistent with what we saw in November and early December. Certainly, it was inconsistent with what we saw in January. My guess is they'll recover from this, but uh, they are up against the clock. We got three games left the regular season. No, I, I I agree. I mean, there's there's a lot of potential left, but I do have to give you a slight criticism, Corey, because you have kind of yeah. trashed the Badgers tonight. And in 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 all fairness, they they aren't very good, you know, uh, compared to their recent vintage of teams but they did sweep the hawks this year so if they yeah, think what does that mean about the hawks <laughs> uh yeah i mean th- th- there's no question that those are two of the the i want to say worst losses on the resume but those are two losses that iowa absolutely I mean the first one was double overtime is at home um you know it wasn't a stretch where you know, murray was out uh Eulis was out in that game 
So, I mean, that, uh, those are, I don't think those are just excuses. Those are, those are reasons. Those are explanations. There was no explanation explanation for tonight. Um, so you're right. They swept them. Uh, now I will say this, some teams just match up poorly against, uh, sometimes Iowa just matches up poorly against other teams. I think Wisconsin might be an example of that, but there have been other years where Iowa, I think a couple of years ago, Iowa beat Wisconsin three times because they beat them in the big 10 tournament as well. So, yep. You know, it, it college basketball is crazy. It is kind of random at times. Um, but Iowa struggled. These They've struggled these last two games against teams that play very similar brands of basketball. And you just hope maybe in a game against Michigan State, a team that plays physical but likes to get more up-tempo, more uh, up in the fast break, out in the fast break, I think that possibly can help them get back uh, uh, offensively. Yeah, I agree. And uh, two more two more quick comments. Uh one was uh, I was you know sitting in a sea of Badger fans, um, with my Hawkeye from the storm, from the Hawkeye of the storm gear, and I uh, got some looks. But people are like, "Hey, how many uh, technical fouls do you think you think Fran's going to get tonight?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, he's been kind of well behaved in the past uh, couple months." Well, side <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, well, you know, he has to slip up a, a time or two. But. <laughs> yeah, he's he. Uh... He had a stretch there early in the season where I, I thought, boy, what's going on with Fran? I, I do think he's been more on edge this year than in past seasons, but you're right. Uh, he's been a little bit better over the past month with the exception being Northwestern. He was fine tonight. He didn't seem to – did you notice anything? He didn't seem to get upset one time tonight. Did I really? No, I, I had I had my eyes on him, and I was watching close, and yeah, honestly, he, it was, he well, was well behaved. He a lot of respect for DJ Karstensen and that crew. I think it was a good crew tonight, and I thought it was well officiated. Yeah, he, he he did a good job. Actually, there was one point where Greg Gard almost lost his uh, composure and and started yelling over that one. Um, I think it was a Rebracha, uh foul or whatever. Yeah, but, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Wanted, right, and, wanted a flop. Yeah. So, and last question, Corey, to you. I mean, you've gotten a lot of compliments from the fans tonight, and I think from the Hawkeye of the Storm is taking the internet by storm. Do you, do you plan on doing this for a long time? I know you're a young man. But do you ever see yourself moving on from? I think you're doing the um, the county news and this podcast. Is is there any you know immediate future for you? But beyond this, as a fan asking, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I I um, I, I don't have any aspirations to make it big in in broadcasting and in. in um, video media or, or, you know, I, I worked at, I think you probably know this, Jared, I, I worked AM FM radio uh, fresh out of school and, and enjoyed it, but walked away from it and said, I, I, I want to find something that, that uh, I'm, I can be more independent, be more creative. And uh, you know, this isn't my full-time gig as you well know, but uh, I did have the itch to get back into broadcasting. So no, I don't have aspirations to, expand or 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 do th- i mean i, I want to continue to expand the show and make it bigger and make it better but i i love what we're doing and uh, as long as we can continue to get support I, i'm i'm happy doing this and we'll see what opp- opportunities come down the road i guess you, you always are willing to to listen to potential opportunities to uh, to expand and better your brand Ho- hopefully that answers your question yes well it does i mean and as the last caller i, I appreciate that and on behalf, I think, of the base of fans you have. Uh, we appreciate what you do. Um, it's, it's a great it's a great platform, and, um, you know, keep it up. And, and if you – I think you're, you have the potential to move on to bigger and better things. 
if you ever felt like doing so. Well, I appreciate that, Jared. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Appreciate that. Do, do appreciate that. Always a good way to finish off the show. Very kind comments from Jared. And this question earlier from Dom, Corey, any validity to Jack McCaffrey saying he might not go to Iowa? Someone commented that earlier. I haven't heard that. My guess is he plays for Fran, whether Fran's here or somewhere else. My guess is that Fran will be here and that Jack will play here. But never say never. Uh, I have no reason to think otherwise at this point, though. All right, folks. The Hawkeyes uh, falling at home to the Wisconsin Badgers. Final score 62, excuse me, falling on the road to Wisconsin. 64-52. I am slipping. It's late. Uh, tonight's game featured 14 lead changes, the most in an Iowa game this season, surpassing 13 lead changes in the Iowa-Michigan State game. The score would not indicate such, but it was very close throughout. Iowa had three players scoring in double figures. Philip Brach had 13. Tony Perkins had 13. Peyton Sanford had 10. Chris Murray did not reach uh, double figures. Hawkeyes have played four of the last five on the road. They'll get two of their final three at home. These are some rough stats, folks, but I'll go ahead and give them to you. Philip Rebracha led all Iowa scorers with 13. Again, tied with Tony Perkins, who also had 13. Rebracha, 6 of 10 from the field. Tony Perkins, 4 of 14 from the field. 0 of 5 from 3. He was perfect. 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Chris Murray, 2 of 10 from the field. 1 of 5 from 3. Had 5 rebounds to go along with 5 points, 1 assist, 1 steal. Aaron Eulis, 3 of 9 from the field. 1 of 5 from 3. 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Had 9 points to go along with 1 rebound, 2 assists, no turnovers. Connor McCaffrey, 0 of 5 from 3, 1 of 6 from the field overall. Eight rebounds, just two points, one assist, three turnovers for Connor. Off night uh, as being a floor general for Connor McCaffrey on the road. Peyton Sanford played 26 minutes, 1 of 4 from 3, 4 of 9 overall, three rebounds, 10 points, one assist for Peyton Sanford. Patrick McCaffrey played 18 minutes, 0 of 3 from 3. Um, his only shot attempts in the game, no points for Patrick. No rebounds for Patrick. Um, one assist for Patrick. Zero blocks. Zero steals. Sorry, one block. One block, zero steals. That's the stat line for Patrick McCaffrey. Josh Dix played six minutes, 0 of 1 from 3. No points. So those are your numbers, folks. The Hawkeyes for the night shot a combined 3 of 28 from three-point range, including 1 of 12 in the first half and 2 of 16 in the second. Hawkeyes were very good from the free throw line, but it doesn't matter when you can't drop it in the ocean from behind the arc. And even from two, Iowa struggled. 31%. 31% for the game in the first half, or excuse me, from the field in the first half. Uh, in the second half, the Hawkeyes, 33.3%. Now, they do shoot a lot more threes than Wisconsin does. Wisconsin, for the game, shot 18 threes. They were pretty bad from behind the arc as well. Four of 18 for 22%. Uh, as far as points are concerned, Connor Asijan led all scorers with 17 points. Tyler Wall chipped in 11. Chucky Hepburn had 12. Uh, Stephen Crowell had eight. Max Klesmet had four. Jordan Davis with four. Carter Gilmore with four. Isaac Lindsay with two. Marcus, uh, is it Ilver, with two as well. And again, uh, just enough as the Badgers defeat the Hawkeyes uh, in the Cole Center, despite... A game-high 11 turnovers for the team. Eight of those turnovers came early. Iowa took advantage of them but could not push that lead. They had a 10-4 to lead early on the road and just could not take full advantage. So Iowa will bounce back, hopefully will bounce back, with a win on Saturday. They'll take on the Michigan State Spartans. It is a sold-out game. 
Tickets available on StubHub, but uh, through the university, it is sold out. So we'll see what happens. 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday, ESPN Game. Iowa Post Game with Coach Gary Close to follow. If you want to donate to this show, you can do so by means of clicking the description, uh, the link in the description below. Uh, and what we're going to do now, folks, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to, before we go here, we are going to, um, for anybody who's interested, uh, I'm sure perhaps this is up somewhere on YouTube, but I, I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm going to play for you the audio from Fran McCaffrey's uh, post-game press conference today. Uh, again, the Hawkeyes falling 64-62, excuse me, 64-52 on the road. We're going to listen to Coach Fran McCaffrey, and that's going to be it for me for this evening. Continue to stay here from the Hawkeye of the Storm for um, Hawkeye coverage and post-game coverage following the game on Saturday. Appreciate you being a part of this. Let me see if I can get this audio set up for everybody. I'm kind of doing this on the fly, but I figured this would be something people would appreciate. Let's see if we can uh, see if we can do this. I'm assuming we can, but uh, again, I'm kind of doing this on the fly here. Again, trying to get some Fran McCaffrey audio here for you. Okay, we'll have to do it. We'll have to do it kind of the old school way here. All right, folks. I think we've got it uh, set up here. So we'll uh, we'll listen to, I think, I've got it. Let's try it. Let's see if we can get this here. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully this works and the sound is working on everyone else's end. We'll, we'll listen to Fran McCaffrey and I will talk to you on Saturday. We're going to go right into questions. Uh, so questions for coach. Right in the back end, coach. Over, over to your left. I, I know you guys did not shoot well from three at Northwestern, but tonight, did you get some looks that you guys normally buried? Yeah, you know, I felt it was the same at Northwestern. I, I, I didn't think like, I didn't think the shots we took were bad. I think you always go back and say, uh, could we have worked the ball a little bit more? Maybe got a drive. Maybe got a post feed. Uh, but, you know. You've seen us play. I mean, we typically let our guys go. We let them shoot the ball. I encourage them to shoot open shots, open threes. I thought we moved it. It was, you know, a frustrating night from that standpoint. It was two games in a row where it just just wasn't dropping from three. And, you know, I thought we competed pretty hard defensively to hang in. We're only down one and a half. And uh, it's unfortunate, you know, the way we defended the out-of-bounds plays late. Gave them six points. I mean, I think that was the game right there. They they blew the game open. They give them credit for that. They executed. Ben, right up here, coach. Coach, yep. I know that Alto had a lot to do with Chris having just kind of be on the road. Do, do Wisconsin do anything differently? Well, they. Him? I know he missed some. Shots they worked hard guarding him. I mean, they were physical. They were chasing him around. You know, no help. But truthfully, I mean, that's kind of what he gets every game. Uh, but, you know, I thought that they were really paying attention to him and made it hard for him. He hit the one three, and then he missed a couple bunnies he normally makes. Uh, I think that weighs on you a little bit. Uh, we just got to keep him positive. Right up front here, please. Uh, yeah, please. Thank you. 
Thank you. Hi, friend. Just curious. I mean, did you see anything you liked out there from your team? Maybe you just kind of searching for the right combination, you just never hit it, or walk me through your your mindset as you saw the shots keep missing. You know that that's part of the game. I think in some ways. Uh, so what you want to see is continued effort defensively, which I thought we had until the very end uh, when we broke down a couple of times. But they run really good stuff. So they, at some point, they're, they're going to have open guys. I mean, you know, it's, it's action with counters, with continuous screening and, and, and so forth. So it's, it's, it's not an easy offense to defend. But I thought we were pretty locked in. You know, we were fighting them. We, we were right there. It was 39-36. We had an open three. We missed it. Uh, you, know, you know, missed a couple of rebounds we normally would get. Uh, you know, we didn't really turn it over that much. You know, you look at the, at the, the numbers, you know, it, it comes down to, the, you know, one stat line. No, it's not like they killed it either, you know, because – it can't be an excuse for us and not for them because they, they're normally a much better three-point shooting team with the guys they got. I mean, they, they have some really good three-point shooters and they haven't made them in the last two games. Well, at least the CJ did last game. The color guys made a few. Jeff in the back. Friend Wall. Wall has had two good games against you this year. He's had a tough year with the injury now, but I don't know if he's a matchup problem a little bit for you guys, but what, what did he do tonight that... Well, I think he. I think the, the the thing that he did well was I think he really stepped up when Crowell got in foul trouble. I think that was important for them. Uh, so you got to you, you got to give credit there. Uh, but you know he's he's a versatile guy. You know he, he's he's not really a true four. You know he played a lot of guard in high school and brings it down. And he can go off the bounce. You know, about the only thing that's lacking in his game is, is a consistent three-point shot, and he'll make some. But uh, you know, he's very effective. And the other thing is, you know, he plays defense. You got you know, you got to give him credit. A lot, of, a lot of guys that are scoring and rebounding, they don't defend. And he does. Right over here, coach. Coach, you mentioned how Wisconsin didn't hit many three-pointers in this game, but they were twenty-one of thirty inside the paint, an area where they haven't necessarily been as good. What did you see from them offensively there, and uh, where were the improvements? Well, they do what they always do. I mean, it, guys are cutting to the front of the rim. They, they got a couple. Uh, Chucky got around one time on a, on a wraparound, and he got a layup. Seijin got to the rim the one time on a, on a closeout. So those are, you know, and then you got two guys that are a handful in there, you know, Crowell and, and Wall. Crowell was better in the second half. Wall was good in both halves. But, uh, you know, the I think they might have a reputation as being, you know, more of a three-point shooting team than they really are. They they score all over the place. They hit pull-ups. They hit back cuts. They cut the score, uh, and they got a lot of different guys that can that can score. So, uh, you know, they're they're hard to guard. You know, and they're going to make you guard for the whole time. We have two more questions for Coach Todd in the back, please. Coach, you're pressing, especially uh, efficient in the, in the first half. It was not in the second half. Where did you see that breakdown, I guess? I I, I thought two things. I, I, I thought they were, you know, making a concerted effort to attack it a little bit more, and then we we were not anticipating. Uh, we were sort of reacting. 
you know, when you're pressing, you know, obviously you're, you're exposing more areas of the floor. And that's why a lot of coaches won't press because all you're doing is giving the other team more space. But if you're going to, if you're going to press, you've got to read body language. You've got to read where people are, where people are cutting to, where you think they're cutting to, and get some deflections and get a couple steals. Uh, you can't just rely on them to throw it away. This is not a team that typically does that. I think we all know that. So I, I, I just thought we may be a little back on our heels a little bit more than we should have been. If we're going to press, you got to go after people. You got Chad? one more final question right up front here. Just speak loudly, Chad. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, with things, just, you know, couldn't find anything today. Do you look at maybe going deeper in the bench next game, or do you feel... That's a possibility. That's I think we have to evaluate fatigue. Yeah. You know, I mean, Chris, you know, he didn't play much in the first half. Uh, you know, I thought Patrick was fresh. I thought, you know, I had AU out for a while. I mean, I thought the guys, from an energy standpoint, were fine. But, you know, maybe going a little bit deeper in the bench, uh, you know, just to maybe give you, you know, something else, another look perhaps. But and that's pretty much the guys I've been going with. They're the veteran guys. It's typically as you come down the stretch who you stick with. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, guys. Good to you.